0: What is up, guys, and thank you so much for checking out this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a lot to talk about on today's show. A lot of hiring and firing going on in the world of sports. Obviously, this is the NFL and college football, uh, you know, kind of coaching situation. But really, to be honest, college football, you would expect, you know, all the hirings and firings to kind of be done by now. But we even got uh, some late ones, or at least one late one this week with Tennessee, and, of course, the NFL were getting some of these coaching hires and coaching positions filled. The Eagles announced a new coach. The Lions introduced their coach and what I, I would describe as a totally bizarre news conference. Um, so a lot of going on in terms of the coaching situations with football, so we'll talk about that uh, as well in the podcast. Um, we'll, of course, talk about Championship Sunday. we got two big games. Not to, you know, through disrespect the Chiefs, bills game which does have a lot of intrigue especially given we don't know what the health of mahomes would be it sounds like he's tracking in the right direction but with concussions it's unpredictable so who knows what he'll be out there but i mean this this packers Bucks game feels like a clash of the titans i mean the idea that we haven't had brady's and rogers the postseason in any point obviously them being in two different conferences and never facing the super bowl and now uh playing for a chance to go to the super bowl in the frozen tundra of lambeau field I don't think it gets much better when it comes to sports. Obviously, not having fans sucks, but um, besides that, that's just that's just what like storybooks are made of, you know. So I, I can't wait for that game. So we'll talk about both of them, of course. Uh, we'll get the latest on Deshaun Watson in that situation as that continues to, to, to seemingly dissolve. We'll talk a little bit about you know some of the teams and some of the, the, the places that you know may have a shot at landing the star QB if he does come on the market. So it should be. Good show this week. Joining me is my co-host, Kendall. Kendall, I do want to begin. We don't have as much NBA stuff on the docket today. But I do want to talk about kind of the state of the season, given um, right now the NBA is kind of done an about face with at least one of its main rules. So the Memphis Grizzlies who are dealing with a COVID situation that at least began with Jonas Valanciunas is unclear uh, if there are other people or who else may be uh, linked to the latest safety and health protocol situation the Grizzlies are in but unlike earlier in the season or any point this season where teens were only uh held out of games if they didn't have eight guys the Grizzlies are being benched for the next three to four games until they can get hopefully their coronavirus situation uh under control and this comes as the league continues to really kind of deal with this ongoing situation with the pandemic and coronavirus the the Wizards have not played a game in in weeks and I think that the NBA now comes into the second half of the season understanding that there's going to have to be probably a ton of uh remade games uh to to fill the schedule and I don't know how it's supposed to affect when the season's supposed to end or where it begins Kendall in terms of the second half but there's a this experiment I don't feel like is working out that well am i wrong do you feel you i feel the nba was spinning and say like given that you know even in the last batch of tests 500 players only 11 tests have been positive you would say well maybe that's not that bad i don't know if you got to keep postponing games when you get to postponing games consistently i just think that the cart's out of the barn
1: at that point yeah um it's definitely so first of all i think the the new stance where it's not about having an outbreak, but just really, um, you know, we're not having a, a massive outbreak, but even a small outbreak could, uh, could lead to postponements. I think that, uh, is being implemented, uh, primarily because we saw, I feel like we're starting to see now situations where teams are playing against each other and both teams are getting affected by one guy. You know, and I think that's, that's, um, the worst scenario for the NBA. Um, we saw we saw it with the Celtics, with Jason Tatum, um, you know, or the Celtics and Wizards. Remember, the Celtics played the Wizards. Yeah. Uh, that was, um, I believe, the last game the Celtics had played before they went out um, with their COVID restrictions a couple weeks ago. And uh, obviously, Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal are very close, both from St. Louis. And they, you know, after the game, I guess they they met up you know, not, not not like they went anywhere, but, you know, they just had a conversation you know, in close quarters and then Bradley Beal had to quarantine the next game because of that. Because Jason Tatum ended up po- po- you know, uh testing positive uh the next day. Um and now the Wizards now have an outbreak of their own right. I don't know if it's because of Bradley Beal. I don't know if Bradley Beal ever even got it, but they may have been because they played against the Celtics with Jason Tatum, who we know, it seems like had it. So um You know, that's that that's where it really gets into a dangerous uh, potential for uh, virus spread. And that's what they that's what they want to avoid. So they're going to get more strict about it. Um, If they really want to be strict about it, they they create multiple bubbles around the country. (laughs) Um, But, (laughs) you know, that costs money. So it's a lot easier to just write in these protocols and say, uh, hey, new, you know, the new thing, uh, no
0: more uh, handshakes and hugs after the game at mid We're gonna even hire, yeah, some, we're we're gonna hire some we're gonna hire some mall cops to stand at center court to make sure it doesn't happen. That's <laughs> way cheaper than putting a bubble in place that you know could actually keep the virus out and away from
1: these guys. yeah, it's it's tough. Um George Hill made the comment, you know that if it's this bad, maybe we shouldn't be playing. Um, you know, it's tough. I, I, you know, I see both sides. I mean, you don't have to play.
0: Um, Here's the problem, Ken, but- what I have with that kind of comment is that like, like, yeah, I agree with George Hill. If it's this bad, there you should question why I should be playing. But right. you are part of a union. Like, where is your union negotiation? Where is your union representation? When right. these conversations are being had about how the season is going to go
1: on. Like, yeah, I the NBA hate, is not instituting these rules without discussing Yeah,
0: NBA. I just hate this idea that, like, anytime, like, the NBA does these arbitrary things that, like, their players are completely helpless. Like, you have a union, there's a collective bargaining agreement, and the parameters of how the season was going to go on, you guys all agree to. And going just because it's not going your way, and now they're trying to be more stricter, that doesn't mean you shouldn't have maybe asked better questions and been more cautious in the beginning. Because we all knew this was possible. If you didn't know this was possible, then you weren't paying attention to anything. And I know George is not; he's a very smart guy. So I like I kind of was annoyed when I heard him say this. Cause I'm like, you're a part of the a union. You, and this way it looks like I think you have pretty good voice, a big, pretty big voice in that union. Like, if you don't like how things are going, why, why are you playing? Why didn't you talk about this in earlier when they were trying to push you guys to play so fast? Anyway, It didn't make any sense to me.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I feel like, I feel like their frustration, uh, the players comes with the fact that, you know, they're, they like, yes, like the union has a, has like a voice and, you know, yes, like it, it's a collectively bargained, uh, agreement, but I guess they feel like the, the owners are kind of, you know, kind of giving them such a, such a draconian ultimatum, like. Well, I mean, we can just you know not have a season and then blow up the CBA, and you know then we're giving you guys nothing. Then we're gonna have a lockout, and it's just you know that's that's obviously the worst case scenario. Um, and look, I mean, the owners don't want that either. <laughs> they want to play basketball games. So it's not it's not all on them. But and, and let that, me be clear, yeah. And let, let me be clear, Kendall. Like I'm not even dissing George saying
0: that. Oh, like. know you should have pushed to not play i'm not even saying that and i know that's what he's presenting my thing is clearly you're in a position where doing it how they're doing it isn't as safe as people would have hoped and my question is why wasn't there more guidance or more push from the players to create a more safer environment or did you guys not find that as important as playing as many games as quick as possible to get as much money as possible like and, and I don't mean to sound like that sound like that's like they're like greedy guys like that's what your goal was and that's fine like that's who you are but then you can't come on the back end and be like yo should we really be doing this it's like we all knew that if you did it this way there was this was not going to be like the summer in Orlando when nobody got coronavirus that just was not going to happen this was going to be a way more hastily put together way more dangerous situation and to, you guys 100% had the voice to not make this happen the way it is happening. And I just I just have very little sympathy for then, retrospectively, having these comments about should we even be playing. It's like, the only reason why I'm saying that is because people are getting coronavirus. You're only getting coronavirus is because you're not doing the safest thing possible to keep corona out of your league, which is playing in a bubble, which you guys know better than anyone. You're the only league besides the soccer leagues. That had a full season that didn't have any coronavirus. Oh, and in NHL too, who, who that didn't have any coronavirus cases because you played in a bubble. Every league that tried to do it a different way had outbreaks. So now complaining about if you're gonna make me not go home or not go whatever, that maybe I shouldn't be playing. We all knew this was gonna be the scenario potentially if this thing couldn't be contained. Which I'm sorry, there's too much evidence. You could turn on any news station or any go to any website. <laughs> It's very, the information around coronavirus is very easy to find. And I don't think whether any kind of political party or affiliation, everyone knows that this thing is highly contagious. Whether people care is another story. But everyone, I think, admits that that's the case. So my concern or my frustration comes with the, the safety measures that were put in place earlier to keep you guys safe is not the reason why they're making these draconian rules that you guys feel are draconian rules about how you live outside your life. And what you can do and can't do and what you can do after games and what you can't do after games when when you guys were in a different situation it was done better and it didn't seem to be really much push to try to replicate that in any kind of way and that's frustrating and i'm scared and i'm nervous for these guys i you know i know chances of dying or getting really really sick when you're a young healthy person is much slower than if you're an elderly person but it's still a risk it's still dangerous and i don't Want to see a situation like we have with Karrion Johnson, where you know we just that's that name, right? Kenyon, yeah. Johnson. Sorry, where um, we just move on, we don't think about the fact that that guy had COVID and then he just had a you know he just collapsed in the middle of a game.
1: Like, yeah. I don't yeah, want they, to see they, that happen they, in the NBA. The amount of money these guys make doesn't protect them from them and you know, like Keontae Johnson.
0: Right, Keontae Johnson. I don't want I don't want that to happen in the NFL. I don't want that to happen in any league because I love these sports and I love these guys. You know, just just for like what they do. As athletes and we love watching them play so they're also yeah so i like to me like some of this emotion and anger you hear from me is also to protect them you know like so that's just the part of this that's that's just that's just frustrating you know so i I get george's upset being upset about it and frustrated about the situation but when you have the collective bargaining power to 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 create a safer environment and you guys chose not to uh, sorry like you know just give me a small violin. I'm just not here. I'm not here for it. Am I, am I being harsh? I mean, what do you think? I'm, I could be being harsh. I don't
1: think I am. But what do you feel? Um, It's tough. You know, I... I mean, you know, there's just... There's always, like, the kind of the Blake Snell kind of thing of... You know, there's just a lot of people that just wouldn't... That would much rather be in George Hill's position. You know, um... But I don't know, you know, don't know. Overall, I feel like the NBA's gotta gotta implement. They've gotta implement mini bubbles. I mean, it doesn't have to be a no a no one in, no one out situation. Like, I mean, that's the best case scenario. But if the NBA feels like that, that they can't replicate that, like, but you need to you need to contain these teams to some respect. They've tried. They said now that like if you're on the road, like you gotta stay in a hotel. I almost feel like even if you're at home, you gotta stay in a hotel. I know it sounds sounds draconian, but I don't know. Um, I don't know how you avoid it. Um, you know, I, mean, I see, yeah. I see Bronny, I see Bronny and his team playing tournaments in like Missouri, and I'm like, yeah, he's coming back. I, I always and, think about that. I'm like, yo, like, I'm, and like LeBron, like, you know, yeah, I mean, like that's his son, but yeah, like Bronny like, might be fine, but. You know, what if LeBron gets it? And you know, right. you know, he's got corn And what if LeBron passes it to the rest of the Lakers? You know, like, yeah. these are just things where, I'm like, this is, the like, then that's a unique example. I'm not blaming LeBron, but I'm sure every player in the, in the NBA has situations like that because a lot of them live with other people. And a lot of them have kids and stuff. And it's like, it's just, it's, just impossible. it's an impossibility to have them all interact and, and not suspect these guys were, are going to get stuff. So, I don't yeah. know. Um, I mean,
0: it's, to me, you know, it was very clear what should have been done, uh, what what baseball had was originally considering and then what hockey is kind of doing now, but still not because they're still having teams travel. You should have just split the league into like three different divisions. And yeah,
1: hockey, they, hockey, they, at least they're trying something. They're doing something. It's not great
0: still, but it's at least something. This idea of the Lakers would be playing the Celtics, to me, is just like... Yeah, the Knicks, played the, the, I mean, by now you would have heard the Knicks played the Wizards, I mean, the Warriors, you know, by now, by the time you listen to this podcast, <laughs> they're playing them tonight, like... like that's that's just, like, I mean, when, that's absurd when the
1: Raptors, me. When the Raptors were relocating, they're like, we're going to move them to Tampa. I'm like, so, wait, are they are they going to the Southeast Division? Because, <laughs> I mean, why are we... Why, of why all the places they could have gone in the Northeast, they could have gone to Pittsburgh, they could have gone to... You know New, New Jersey. York, <laughs> like, yeah, New York, yeah, East East, South East South yeah, East
0: Watford, yeah.
1: Watford. There's, so many place, there's so many places in the Northeast that have. Really been to nice. Connecticut, like yeah, they came to Providence, <laughs> but they're like, no, we're gonna move them to uh, to Tampa because we got fans in Tampa, and it's like, yeah, you got fans in Tampa. That's like, I mean, not that's safer. Right. <laughs> yeah, not safer. That's a, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a money-driven decision, <laughs> and. How many Raptors fans are in Tampa? I mean, it's, I mean, it's just man. yo, man. But like, ugh, I don't
0: want to get into like a thing on capitalism. But like, <laughs> that's the root of all this. I mean, it's like money is driving. That's why I feel like I could be so critical because if it was some like ideological thing where where the people, I mean, there are ideological issues with people thinking of, what people think of COVID, but not in the NBA, not with like the people who are trying to put this together. They know what's up but money is driving certain decisions and then these decisions are having so now i don't want to say catastrophic ramifications just yet but you feel like the concern for me is that we're going in that path and and the only thing that's like i think the reason only reason that's the thing that's not stopping them is that like well the nfl like kind of got through their season and baseball like got through their season so like and to me, like that was that, like that just one. luck. Like that wasn't really like they those. I mean, of course, at least had some ramp, some parameters in place. But like that was his luck. And we still don't. I mean, we still don't know. We haven't had a situation like like I'm still hoping that the Super Bowl goes on on time. Like I'm still concerned about that. Like I, I, I you no know, kind of a personal story. Like I took off from work because I want to you know. I work normally on Sundays. And I want to watch Super Bowl, so I always take off, make sure I'm off the Super Bowl and the day after. Um, and like, I was like, "Yo, like, if this game doesn't happen on Super Bowl Sunday for some reason,
1: like, I'm gonna lose it." The NFL but it's seems to be. NFL seems to be, uh, hell bent on getting that game done, uh, in on on time. I mean, I've said for months that the NFL should have been pushing back. Like, they've been doing all these things where they were, you know. Fitting in games and all this stuff, and I was like, "Why don't you just push back the Super Bowl? Cancel the se- postpone the season for a couple weeks, and push back the Super Bowl." But they were, they were very, they were, at at this point they've gotten so far. I'd be surprised, like even if Pat Mahomes for whatever reason couldn't play, like because of COVID, I feel like they would, if Mahomes and Brady were both out of the Super Bowl, I think they would still just play with the backups. Which I would wouldn't, I wouldn't want them to do, but the NFL is hell bent on keeping that date. But but ultimately, I think the NBA saw what Major League Baseball and the in the NFL were able to do, and like I said, not having any catastrophes and not and, and being able to save a lot of money. And they said, well, you know, they kind of feel like, oh, we look like suckers, and it's like, you know, you don't look like suckers. You look like people with scientists. But yeah, from a money standpoint, the owners were like we can't we can't fork up another hundred million dollars to institute another bubble when the NFL and, and major league baseball didn't have to pay a penny. So I, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I think the money's worth it, but I don't know. I don't, I mean, you know, I think there's a way you could do it that's cheaper. You know, I don't need, I don't need, I don't, if you don't want to do the Orlando bubble again, you don't need to do it. I mean, they're doing a G league bubble. My thing is like, if you're, if you're able to do a G league bubble, why couldn't you do an NBA one? I, but whatever. Yeah, I, I I don't
0: understand again it was simple three divisions eight you know ten teams and they all play each other you tell them hey any family or anybody you want in this bubble can come here like nothing like what happened last time where you're telling only you like bring your family bring your grandma like but unlike like like, but those people will have to like work from home whatever whatever they do like they can't be like just flying and not crazy uh Or even have a position where, like, yo, like, if they leave, like, they have to be tested before they get in. And if they're COVID positive, they have to, like, we have a hotel they can quarantine in until they're good. But, like, to me, like, I just, what I guess what frustrates me about college sports, what frustrates me about the NBA, what has frustrated me about the NFL and Major League Baseball is, like, there is, doesn't seem to be any effort to even try these, like, very, like, outside the box things. Like, again... The NHL I give them some credit shout out to Gary Bettman very few times I ever give him a shout out ever but he deserves something because he's trying to do something again I still don't think guys need me traveling within the within the country I think mean, they still think the travel aspect is the worst part of this I feel um but not having teams travel anywhere outside their region is smart and that should help should help mitigate some of this stuff but even then, that's like, you know, bare minimum kind of stuff, but at least they're doing something. Like, I feel like the NBA, I don't feel like they've done anything except test a lot of people. Like, you can't tell me the Knicks flying across the country to play the uh, play the Warriors makes any sense in a pandemic. There's just there's no argument for it. There's no discussion for it. There's no way it makes sense. Boston going to LA to play the Lakers, that makes no sense given what's going on right now, given all the steps you have to take to get a team from Boston to Los Angeles. And then to think that this is like, Oh, this is going fine. Like, it's not. Like, this is a terrible situation. And it didn't have to be this way. And, again, my concern is I feel like the players kind of are just going along with a lot of this because they're they're still – because they understand there are a lot of negative, detrimental things that happen if you do have to play in a bubble, you do have to do all these kind of things. And none of this stuff is ideal. But now we have what we have, which we have games getting postponed, guys getting sick. We hope those guys recover and don't have any issues. But, like – it's just now we're putting in these ridiculous rules like i can't like the idea that you can't shake hands with the other team after a game is just crazy to me like you played them in the game what do you mean you can't shake hands with the other team like why are you playing football why are you playing basketball if you can't shake hands like, yeah it's just optics
1: yeah it's um this is dumb like i mean they should have and i think this actually could have been an interesting like basketball like, this could have been an interesting scheduling study but they should have line the season even more like baseball from a scheduling perspective. Like, they've done these series That's what they said they like were going to do, but they haven't really gone They should have done, like, three or four games against the same team, like, a week like, and they, Yeah, and they, like and, they and the plan
0: was, that was supposed to be the plan and I don't think they really have yeah. implemented that They've implemented it in some instances
1: Like, you know, the next done, done has the back-to-backs. back-to-backs But the, the back-to-backs aren't enough Like, I need I need three or four games against in the same city against the same team I, like, I agree. That's what I think I think there should have been a season where look, yo, this season the Celtics all their games are at Matt's
0: regarding against the Knicks this year. Like that's just how it is, and you know when they all the Raptors games when they go to play Boston this year, they're all in Boston. Like just yeah, somebody just have it, just do two series,
1: just do two series of three or two series of four. And that makes up, that takes eight games into the, eight games or six games. Oh yeah, well, your, trust me, Kendall.
0: Yeah, if I, if we, yeah, if that's out to me, yeah. I I mean, we talked about it a little bit on this pod. I would totally do a baseball-like schedule. To me, there will be no one and done. And that's like you, any team you play Base to me, conference. you're playing them three times. Every single time. And you're getting, just getting through the schedule. You can play as many teams as possible. We're not going back and forth in terms of who's going home and home. We're not doing that. You know, maybe the Knicks they'll and enter. Nets. Yeah, Knicks they'll and Nets, inter-lead. okay, we'll, we'll do a two-and-two we'll do two, and two for the Knicks and Nets They're in the same city. Clippers Lake Lakers, obviously, they'll play four games. You know, we'll switch the court. Um, uh, and then, may, you know, maybe Sacramento, Global State, you know, there are a couple of spots maybe where you could fit that in, where you can do two-and-two. Two. But otherwise, anywhere, any place that's not, that's more than, that you can't drive to in, like, a considerable amount of time, we ain't doing flying. Like, we're not doing that. You're going to go there once, and then you're going to go home. And again, these little things aren't hard. Like, I don't, I'm sorry. Like, you can't tell me that this is like some crazy idea. Like, it's not. Like, this could have been done. Uh, they want to keep the season as normal as possible. And it's like. This is not normal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. by, keeping it, by keeping it normal, you're losing all normality of an NBA season. We're having teams miss two weeks of games. Like, what's normal about that? How are you going to put a schedule together in the second half with the Wizards haven't played six games? How's that going to look? How's that going to fit? How's that going to be fair? The only
1: negative I guess felt with the series format is maybe they felt if you do the series format and there's a team that has an outbreak, then now you're stuck with, like, a team not playing a team for, like, a week. You know, now you have two teams that can't play for a week. But to me, I mean... I feel like you gotta do whatever you can to minimize these outbreaks. You know what I mean? Stop worrying about like that. Just feels like I mean, yeah. I mean, to me, that just feels like small potatoes. I, I just don't. That's just not
0: not when it compared to someone your your coronavirus outbreaks on multiple teams. Like that's the other alternatives. So I'm like, okay, a team doesn't play for a week, but they're healthy. Who cares? Yeah. Like, I I can live with that. I can't live with what we, again? A team not playing for a couple of weeks. You know, multiple teams not not playing for a week. Like. That's not good because, again, you're supposed to have a balanced schedule. Now we're coming in the second half of the season and the Wizards going to have to play 100 games. Like, that's not – like, <laughs> this is a problem. And and, and and you're trying to do everything on time. I mean, this – I don't know. We, we've gone on way longer than I thought we would go on this. But it's a problem, man. Like, it's just it, it's, 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 it just sucks. So again, I just feel like it didn't have to be this way. Like, I just hate when I, I see situations where – more aggressive and more creative, more creative solutions weren't being implemented. Like, like nothing about what the NBA is trying to do is creative or innovative. Or it's just very much. It's just like the NFL, and the NFL had a lot of issues. Yeah, They, I agree. they quote unquote got through the season, but at what cost? I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. Um, but let's talk about the NFL. And while I was obviously, I, I kind of giving the NFL a little bit of the business in this uh, first segment. I do want to talk about the championship games because I am, as like I said at the top of the show, very excited about the championship game. So we got the Bucks and the Packers playing at the three o'clock game. Both of those teams were um, valiant in their divisional round games. Uh, Packers won pretty pretty handily over the Rams, which I, I thought would happen. The the Bucks are rising up and, and beating the. Um, and beating the, the Saints, another game that I, I thought uh, the Bucs would win. Braves looked awful, and you know his wife's saying the guy basically had a broken body playing, <laughs> which we all saw. Um, it wasn't that hard to see. But um, but the Bucs uh, went out to New Orleans, got it done, and now they're going to be playing in the Sunday Sunday uh, championship, NFC championship game in the nightcap. We have the Buffalo Bills traveling to Kansas City. Bills look very impressive in their win. At least is were very, probably very impressive defensively in their win against the, the Ravens. Shout out to Lamar Jackson. We hope he gets better soon. Very classy move classy move by the Bills fans uh, donating to Lamar's charity after he got injured. Um, Bills fans get a lot of crap. and we need, So, to me, if you are you get a lot of crap, you should get a lot of praise for when you do the right thing. And I thought that, that was really awesome. I had never seen that kind of support for another team's injured player in that way. So, that was really dope. So, shout out to the Bills Mafia. And, I, and as a New Yorker, I'm I'm kind of happy to see them have this moment after all these terrible seasons and they'll be going to Kansas city to face the defending champs, but the champs don't come in necessarily all healthy. With of course, again, that question about whether Mahomes will suit up, uh, for this game. So I guess, uh, let's start with the, with the, 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 let's start with that game. Actually, let's stay right there. Cause I, you know, even though it's a nightcap, I do feel like the other games kind of more of the primetime game, in my opinion. Uh, I mean to me, you know, this is a very simple thing. If the if the Mahomes can't play, the Bills to me are the prohibitive favorite favorites in this game. If he can, then I think the Chiefs are the favorites. I know that may sound like very basic analysis, but you know, Chad Henney, he made a big fourth down play. He deserves credit. But he just clearly doesn't provide the kind of dynamic problem and playmaking that
1: Lamar that uh excuse me, Patrick Mahomes Oh, uh, does Whoa. the, the I mean the 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 Cleveland Browns on third and fourteen would beg to differ.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'll admit. Shout out to Henny coming up big when they needed him to, but that was one play, and I saw him play the rest of that <laughs> game, and it wasn't very pretty. So I I, I just. And to be fair, look, it's all—it's—it's it's hard to go into a game cold like that and, and jump in there. It wasn't like he was awful, awful. He had the, the awful pick, obviously, but um, but I—I I think you know the Bills, man. Something about these Bills, man. Like I—I I don't want to say team of destiny, but that—that that is the feel I get watching them in these last few weeks. That's the question
1: I always ask when you get to the final four in any sport. It's Like. <laughs> All right, now that we're here, who feels like the team of destiny? It feels like the Bills. I think if you think it's
0: anyone else, I mean, I don't. I, that's. It feels. Sometimes things. I think shoot. it could be the Bucks, too.
1: It could be the Bucks, too. But we'll talk about the Bucks afterwards. But it could
0: we'll talk the, about be. We can talk about the Bucks afterwards. I, the case I'll make for the Bills is. To me, when I see the teams playing the cliche complimentary football, that's when I, I feel like, okay, it's really coming together. You know, the first game, the Bills defense, I thought kind of had a mediocre kind of game against uh uh Phil Rivers. Shout out to Phil Rivers by the way, retiring, great career. Um and he had a really good game to end his career, uh, even though it was a loss. The uh so the Bills first game defense was kind of shaky, wobbly in certain spots, the offense really kinda of put them ahead and kind of kept them ahead throughout the whole game. And and then the first and then the second game, you know, the offense struggling against a Ravens defense that was certainly really up to the challenge and game for that, that situation and how the Bills were able to just shut down Lamar Jackson and just zip up that Ravens offense uh, uh, in, in a really definitive way. When I see things just seem to be going right for you in that kind of way, and even if you can't really explain it, that, that, that to me screams Team of Destiny. That's what I see from Buffalo right now. Um, not to say that there are, you know, there are a lot of fans involved in, in these games. There were some fans in these games, but the energy around the team, the energy around uh, the city of Buffalo is just so hot right now. We'll see how it all shakes out, but it just, it feels like they're the team. And then when you see Mahomes go down, you know, and I hope Mahomes is healthy. I hope he goes out there and plays. I think even if you're, I mean, I'm not, not going to speak for Bills fans, but I think if you're the Bills, you know, I think they want to face the Chiefs at their best. I think they want to have no doubt about them being the best team in the AFC and them going to the Super Bowl. I think they want to see Mahomes healthy. Uh, but when I saw him go down, I'm like, man, this just feels like everything's all coming up sevens for the bills right now that's how it feels to me
1: yeah i mean i i'm a little worried about my homes um you know whenever you're talking about a guy obviously he's he's dealing with the concussion he's also dealing with the toe um you know so i i mean hopefully he can hopefully he can go because like you said you you don't want that lingering what if um as a sports fan but this is going to be a dynamic matchup. Um, the The, the Bills are going to have to really be able to put up points in this game. But and I think a lot of that will have to do with what... If Mahomes is available, you expect the Chiefs are going to air it out a little bit more. Um, and also depending on how else he is. And if that happens, that will slow the game down. Um, and... I feel like the key to this to this game for the for the Bills is going to be uh, making sure, obviously, that Tyron Matthew doesn't doesn't cause havoc uh, on defense, which he's played well um, in this postseason. But to me, I think Josh Allen, you know, this is really going to be um, and I know you mentioned they they really that they, 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 you think that they can be a team of destiny um is gonna be a game he's gonna have to win this game with his arm and i'm not sure i mean i think he's capable i mean i think he's one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the nfl um and he's approaching top five but i don't know if he can if mahomes is out there and he's healthy i don't know if he can if he can uh go shot for shot with with pat mahomes um in that chiefs offense um travis kelsey Starting to get it going a little bit. um Tyreek Hill, I think we—I—I I, I would like to see him get a little bit more involved uh this week. But to me, I, 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 it, a lot of it depends on Mahomes' health. I, I know you said it—you said it best at the top. I mean, if he's healthy, you don't feel great about the Bills' chances, especially on the road. Um, but it, to me, it, you know, if if, if 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 Chad Henney's out there, I don't even want to analyze the game with Chad Henney out there. I mean, that's like, I mean, you know, I don't feel it. Doesn't feel likely that Chad Henney's gonna play.
0: I mean, um, look, I'm gonna keep it a hundred. Like, there's a lot of there's in, a lot
1: of there's a lot of interest
0: to make sure Pat Mahomes get out there. Let's just keep it a hundred. Right. When, have, not, we, when not, have we? When have
1: been in these situations, DJ, where you have a superstar in a big game like this, like a playoff game? Particularly like a conference championship or championship kind of game, where the super or a superstar player who's on who's questionable quote unquote doesn't play, or at least doesn't even try to give it a go.
0: It's very rare. Yeah, I mean, it's I rare. To, trying to think of the last time. I mean, Phil Rivers played on a torn ACL, which he reminded us of by the way in his announcement
1: of his yeah. retirement. It came on the same date that he retired. Um, yeah. You know, and I'm glad he did it because I always feel like that's one of the more forgotten legendary performances. Uh, yeah, he, Mar- he put together a, an average
0: to above average game on a torn ACL and it gets a great team. That's still
1: insane. Yeah. If you talk about Phil Rivers and toughness in his career. And he tore the ACL the week before, right? Yes, and he came out there and went. This isn't like oh, he tore it in the middle of the game and just played on adrenaline. He came in with a torn ACL. Yeah, yeah. The guy came in a week later with a torn ACL.
0: was so like I'm playing and played the whole game. And again, they were in the game for most of it. in that game against yeah. uh, the Patriots. Yeah, unbelievable performance. But yeah, it's just it's that goes to show you though. Like when the chips are down by this much, yeah, and it's this much at stake, guys will almost do anything it takes to get out there. And I think with now, concussion, concussions, unfortunately. It's, in one sense, it's different, Kendall, but in one sense, I feel like it's the same, where I feel like, <laughs> I mean, again, I'm going to keep it 100. Like I know the NFL has gone a long way with contracting protocol, but and, it's, and look, I'm going to be 100. I'm not saying this is based on any evidence or info or knowledge I have, but you get the feeling that they may, this is something that- if they could look the other way on certain things that don't get eyes that don't, don't get crossed, that don't get dotted or T's that don't get crossed, it could happen. That's the feeling I get for something like this. Right. I don't know. Um, From what I understand, I thought the NFL concussion protocol was something that was kind of done almost independently. It wasn't necessarily even the team doctors that were involved with that. Or if they were, they were very much also involved with independent doctors. So I'm going to hope and pray that the NFL is doing everything on the up and up. But if Mahomes doesn't go, I'd be like, wow, man. Like the NFL really is sticking to that concussion protocol. Because the way he looked after he got hit, <laughs> because the way he looked after he got hit, I mean that didn't look like. And I'm not. I mean, some guys recover. Everybody recover from from concussions differently. Everybody handles them differently. But that don't look. That didn't look like no one week concussion. That it just did That didn't look like a. That looked like a. You need to chill for a couple of weeks after that kind of hit. Guy couldn't walk on yeah. his own power. He's stumbling. Like his eyes look like he don't know where he is. Like, that did not look like a guy that's be playing football in a week. So, if he's out there, I'm not going to say I assume the worst, but, like, do I have doubts that maybe they – he may be mostly good, but, you know, maybe there's certain things they are, right, you'll be all right, and they put him out there? I don't know. Um, if he's done out there, I'd be like, wow, man. Like, we know he was messed up, but he must really have been messed up, you know. But yeah. I don't know. That That's – but, again, but I don't want to – Andy Reid admitted. admitted in the old days he would have been out there. One hundred percent. He would have not have come out of that game in the old days. Yeah. He would he would've he would have come out and then he would have went back in. As the game as yeah. the game was that close and things like that, he would have finished that game. And he would have they would have said he had a concussion, they would have tried to get him souped up and he would have been ready to play on Sunday. Like this is a different yeah. era and like they they are taking much more precautionary steps and him not going back out there was great because he clearly was concussed. But again, do I think for sure he he'll be good in a week? I don't think that.
1: Yeah, you might not have won out there. Um, That's a point you to make, you know. Yeah, and if you've been if he would have been handicapped, you know that would have been tough.
0: I feel like this is a kind of a weird game where to make a prediction on, but like uh, I'm gonna make a prediction. I'm gonna say he, I'm gonna say he plays, and I'm gonna say he's mostly fine. Therefore, I'm gonna say the Chiefs win by like a thirty-one twenty-one kind of score. If he does not play, they're not going to win. I want to make that very clear, though. I don't think they can beat this Bills team without Mahomes. I think the Bills are playing really good football. And I don't think Josh Allen's the pumpkin, that the, the, the last thing the Tractors think he will become at some point in time here. I think that he's, hey, a game against Chad Henney, he's as real as he's going to look. You know? Like, now I guess Mahomes is yeah. a different animal. But I, I don't, the idea that he's going to, like, throw up on himself in this kind of situation, I don't think it's going to happen. You're going to have to make him play poorly.
1: Um I'm going to say that this is going to be I I think with Mahomes dealing with his injuries, I think they the Chiefs are going to try and establish a little bit of a running game. Um to what avail, I don't know. But um, cuz that I mean the bill defense is tough, but um I think it'll be a little low, lower scoring. Um I think both defenses will come to play and I think I think it's gonna come down to a fourth quarter. Fourth quarter to win the game, Chiefs. Um, we got the Chiefs. Uh, got the Chiefs twenty-seven. Bills twenty-four. Um, this NFC
0: Championship game, man, again, feels like a heavyweight fight. Feels like a class of the titans. Um, Bucks. Uh, Packers Lambeau Field. It doesn't really get much better than this when it comes to football. Again, the only thing. Now, to be fair, if you watch these Packers games, I mean, there are a lot of fans there, <laughs> way more than I probably feel comfortable with. But still not, not the, still not the typical Lambeau experience. But um, but again, still decent amount of fans there. This is again, this is to me, what what sports is all about. Um. The Bucks look. The Bucks look good, man. I mean, they're just kind of hitting on all cylinders. They, that game last week just felt like I was watching like every Tom Brady Patriots <laughs> postseason went on the road, like that. Like you know, the other quarterbacks just falling apart. You know, they Brady's kind of just making all the right plays in this close game, and they just kind of squeak it out and defense closes the door. Like that's just I've seen that Patriots win. 100 times and for too many times against my own team. So, watching him do with the Bucks against division rival in a game that people didn't think they could win, it was like I've seen this, I've seen this story. So, now the question is, you know, he may be facing, he's faced Peyton before, obviously, but besides Peyton, this may be the best quarterback he's ever faced. And the guy is playing on an MVP level, Aaron Rodgers. And can that magic, can that Brady magic? overcome everything that comes with uh, a road game in lambeau field <laughs> i don't know man i can't wait i, I know I, i'm giggling so i'm like yo this is awesome like, i i can tell you for sure how this is gonna go but i can't wait though.
1: yeah um i know we had that conversation you know who is the team of destiny in college in uh in the nfl and i feel like the Bucks have a decent stake in the game. I think with these teams, the the Packers have a the Packers have a case because Rodgers seems to be on such a mission right. that uh, it seems so so dialed in, so locked in at this point that if he if he won a ring, if you if to ring this year, um, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me, but. With the Super Bowl being in Tampa Bay, um, and there having not been a sport in Tampa uh, or a Super Bowl, uh, a team, a team uh, that's that's hosting the Super Bowl, uh, playing the Super Bowl, that seems like the stars are aligning. In Tom Brady's first season, they bring in Antonio Brown, they bring in Rob Gronkowski, um, they bring in Leonard Fournette. These guys are all making plays for this team. Um, and they're finding ways, finding ways, to, finding ways to win, um, on both sides, of, on both sides of the ball. Uh, obviously they turned new, turned over, uh, far more this week than they will, or last week than they will this week against <laughs> Rogers, but it's a different animal. And that's the part that, that's the, that's the thing that worries me if I'm Tampa Bay that it's almost like it's going to be a shell shock. As good as Taylor Heineke played in week one, it's going to be a shell shock to go from Taylor Heineke and Drew Brees
0: to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Rogers. that's what I was thinking. And even on top of that, Kendall, I think going from whatever Drew Brees was last week and whatever Michael Thomas was last week, to going to what Aaron Rodgers is and what Devontae Adams is is also a huge difference from Marcus Lattimore as well. I mean, that so smart, Mark Marquardt was at secondary, um, as well. That's a, that's not the same <laughs> wide receiver quarterback yeah. combination that you're going
1: up against. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like this. It it will it, be it'll be interesting. We don't know what AB health is like, and I think that is relevant. Because um, Brady's going to need as any uh, as many weapons as he as he can get um you know obviously look i think that 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 bucks defense has played well i mean you know i mean murphy bunting the corner played really well for them last week yeah um devin white has been a ball now um i know there's a lot of raiders kind of you know scratching their head saying why did we draft barrel over devin white um I mean, we were asking why they drafted him over Josh Allen. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, dra- we were all- just asking general. Why. Yeah, but we didn't know why Farrell went that early. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a hard move. Uh, there were so many other great defensive players on the board, and they, you know, they're all kind of balled out. Uh, but Devin White is certainly one of them, and it, it's. But to me, I think the Packers are also in for an interesting situation because the Rams team they played last week just was not they were not ready for that kind of team. No. Um, You know, injuries, and, you know, they seem to have their own kind of issues. Um, You know, you got McVay now, and Goff seemed to not be on the same page. McVay's kind of calling Goff out, saying he's going to have to you have to, you know, compete to win his starting job back. You know, there's a lot of... I don't know if that revenge team was, was, was the game uh, last week. That's, that's quite a, that's quite a thanks for playing with a broken thumb <laughs> comment. Yeah, that's a little I was like, they must, <laughs> have, <laughs> they must not have a good age. Because, I mean, this guy, he's playing with a broken... What do you want me to do, <laughs> coach? <laughs> you know, but like, I wasn't even supposed to be out there. But the other guy got hurt. <laughs> I was in backup. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that was odd. But clearly that Rams team was ready to play. Um but this Bucks team, you know, they can get A-B. they still have Evans and Godwin, obviously. Um, you know, and Arnold Jones and Fournette have weapons on offense and the defense um is playing really well. So I I, I think Tampa Bay I think Tampa Bay can win this game. Um it's not gonna I be easy. I think they can hand. too. Yeah. Yeah. I really feel like I really want them to get Fournette and Jones involved in the game. And if they can and they did a really good job of that last week against New Orleans. If they can continue that, I think they can win this game. If they if they if they're relying on Brady to win the game in the air, I think it's gonna be tough. But again, I don't know if Brady at this stage can I don't know if he can go shot for shot with Rodgers, Especially
0: in Lambeau. Yeah, I mean you mentioned uh Murphy Buncey, I mean, he really starting to come on. And that Bucks defense, just the speed and athleticism, this is why this is such a great matchup. I feel like, you know, while you know, we can say that the you know, the Bucks haven't seen a team like the Packers, in many ways, you could say the Packers haven't really seen a team like the Bucs. Basically, we can consider just a lot of the injuries and trouble that Los Angeles had in that last week. The Los Angeles has some talent, but they weren't completely right for that game as you've obviously illustrated this is a different situation this is a team that's playing really well that was built for this kind of game that it was put together to win these kind of games and now they're here at the moment and like this is the this is exactly the kind
1: of team that they've is got a to be. Roster, man. Like, yeah their roster can, is loaded you can see why brady would rather play in tampa Bay. i mean yeah you know it's yeah. one winfield all over the field yeah he, had a, bar- great force, he had a great force fumble Le-Botty. last week you know, I mean, they've got guys
0: making plays, man. Dominick Sue's yeah. out there. You know, Dominick Sue, yeah,
1: it's it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a loaded. Team. They, get, they get back. I mean, this this is a defense that's playing really well. Um, and they deserve, they deserve a lot of credit. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, they, this is going to be their toughest challenge. <laughs> I mean, playing. You know, I, like that was out of scrimmage. I think, the,
0: for I think the X factor to me for this week. It's going to be Darius Smith. Because there have been times this year, and there were plenty of times last week, with the guy is just unblockable. And, yeah. you know, I know it's kind of, again, cliche, kind of maybe lazy to some people, but it is what it is. Like, we've seen all season that when Brady has a comfortable pocket, for the most part, he looks like Tom Brady. When he doesn't, yeah. he struggles. The teams, last few teams they played, they did a good— No, no the Washington football team has a good pass rush. Um, right. They protected Brady pretty well in that game. He didn't have nearly as many issues as maybe people thought he could potentially have. Um, either they protected him very well against the Saints last week. Brady did not have the kind of pressure that we anticipated he could have. To me, Smith is arguably the best pass rusher they've seen in these playoffs. and Especially with the way he's playing, at least. So I think if he's coming off that rush and he's as dominant as he was against Andrew Whitworth, who I know is... Ninety-five years old, but still a top-notch tackle. That 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 could spell trouble. And I'm looking at him as really kind of maybe being like the deciding factor in this game. Because I think if Brady has a comfortable pocket, he has the weapons to hang with Rogers, in my opinion. Like I, I I think he can go shot for shot with him. But it's all about if he's comfortable in that pocket. And I don't I don't know if this Packers defense is 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 just. I think it's just slightly better than the Saints defense is right now. Um Kenny Clark's also great up front. I I think that that's gonna be end up being a big key. If they get pass rush
1: really good um for Tampa Bay. Um You said you said worse. Yeah we yeah, worse has been yeah. really good. Um you know he's gonna he'll be matched up against Rayshon Gary uh former Michigan great but um you know Donovan Smith, their uh, left tackles guys to deal with deal with Darius uh, Smith, and that's gonna be that's gonna be a little tougher. Yeah, know.
0: that's the matchup yeah. I'm looking at. Where I think the game is gonna hedge there, and I think if we're making a prediction, that's why I'm gonna say the Packers are gonna win. Uh, I I think this will end up being. I don't think this is gonna end up being like a shootout that maybe people would think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be more uh, a more of a bloody nose kind of game, more of an in your face kind of game. It's going to be about who can make just enough plays. I think on offense and defense. I think the Packers will be able to do just enough offensively. I think that the pass rush will get to Brady just enough in this game to make a difference. I gonna say the Packers win a close one. I think it's maybe end up being like a like a inside of a field goal kind of game.
1: I'll say like twenty nineteen. This is, I mean, this is a matchup. First of all, like. This is what's great about Brady going to Tampa Bay. Like, when LeBron went to the, to the Lakers there with all LeBron in the West, like, now we can see all these matchups. Like, LeBron plays the Warriors every year. You know, I, I've seen him play Steph yeah. Curry in the finals, like, eight times. You know, him going to the Lakers is not going to be any different. <laughs> but Brady going to Tampa Bay, like, you're getting these matchups that we've never seen. I mean, yeah. Brady in the postseason, Brady, Rodgers, in the postseason, one game elimination uh i mean these are these are are you know and it's even brady and again it's the only thing that sucks is no fans but
0: like even brady going to these environments like we never seen brady go to the superdome again no fan that sucks uh now we have him going to the frozen tundra this is the the ultimate cold weather quarterback maybe in the history of the sport at this point in time i think you have to give him that credit yeah he's never been in a playoff game at lambeau field and now this is where we're gonna see him against the other the, the, the
1: next great quarterback in that generation it, you know? wouldn't it be wouldn't it be quite a special run for Brady to he'd have to win three playoff games, three road playoff games to get back home, to, to get play to a home home play- Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, that would be a special kind of a special kind of situation. Um and I think it's going to happen. Um I think I agree with you. I think it's going to be low scoring. Um I I and I think that this will again come down to Late in the game, I think it'll be a, a, a nip and tuck game uh, for the first uh, three and a half quarters. But I think you know those last couple of drives. I think it's going to be about who has the ball last. Mm. Um, but I think I trust Brady in that situation with these weapons more than I trust Rogers, and that's may not be fair, but. Um, uh, and, and ultimately, I, you know, I don't know how much I trust Mason Crosby as well. He's been kind of shaky, but nice. that that's another, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. But, I, you know, I think that this is going to be, I think it's going to be a really close game. Um, I'll go, I'll go Tampa, Tampa 23, Uh, Pac-20. 20. Okay. Our
0: scores are close. Fairly close. Yeah. yeah. Close games, both of our scores are fairly close, but we have a uh, slightly different teams here. Um, let's talk about the latest with Deshaun Jackson, real quick. Well, actually, before, yeah, let's talk about Deshaun Jackson now
1: because it's, it's, it's Deshaun Jackson, yeah, man. <laughs> uh, <the> latest <laughs> I've with Deshaun heard mistake now, made that mistake like a billion times, uh, <laughs> especially when the Bucks played. Uh, well, I mean, well, because the Texans have Kareem Jackson, and yeah. You know, so you watch a Texans game, they're calling this Kareem Jackson, and they're calling John Watson, DeSean Jackson. And it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you <Yeah, laughs> have it... so much. Um, but oh, I want... sorry, go ahead. Not a very popular NFL name. So, you know, there's only really two guys of oh, note. Exactly. Um, but
0: I do want to mention uh, Watson here because obviously. Still, no real traction on what his situation is. The idea is still that he's very unhappy. The idea is that uh, a trade request is still possible. Um, how likely is it? Really, seems to depend on who you ask. I feel like when I listen, when I see Schefter's tweets, he makes it seem like it's imminent. Other people seem to be a little more hesitant to say whether or not uh, he will indeed request a trade. But his unhappiness, by all accounts, is very real. And as I told Kendall before we got on the air, I feel like Deshaun, Deshaun is doing all of the things you see athletes do before they're they want, about to, you know, demand a trade. Um, they're tweeting cryptic tweets that don't mean anything, that don't say anything, and cryptic social media posts. Uh, they're traveling to uh, to to various different cities that may be of interest to them if they do indeed come on to the trade market. You know, Deshaun, spending a, game, a day at the Brooklyn Nets game. I'm just like it's a pandemic and somehow there's only 10, they allow only like five people in the building and Deshaun Watson has to be one of the people they're allowing. Uh, okay. That seems interesting uh, to watch a guy who just also got himself out of Houston. Like some of these things aren't by accident. So, uh, so I wanted to bring it back up, talk about Deshaun because the, there seems to be more conversation, particularly with, I, I believe it was Schefter saying that, you know, the Jets of all people. or might have been Dan Jeremiah. I'm not sure who was, but the Jets really, if there was a true a true um the Deshaun sweepstakes that the Jets would probably be in best position to make a deal because of their trade assets. They have two first round picks this year. They have two first round picks next year. They have multiple other picks in the top three rounds over the next three years. The Jets have a lot of draft capital. Um I know it may seem like a simple question, but if you were the Jets, Kendall, what would you be willing to give up to get Deshaun Jackson? Do you think that Joshon Watson to keep doing it? Uh do you think it's worth it for them and to do that and not decide to draft a quarterback at two or uh stake with Sam and try to rebuild with the guys you have? New coach Robert Salah who we talked about last week did not commit to Sam Darnold. Uh, in his introductory press conference, though he did uh, speak complimentarily of him. Yeah.
1: Um, obviously, Sean Watson, another guy who wants the top 10 in the NFL, similar to Josh Allen, bordering on top five. Um, He, on the open market, is one of the five most likely quarterbacks in the NFL, um, and if you're the New York Jets, hey, what well you have to, what well you have to ask yourself if you're going to bring in Deshaun Watson, is how close are we? Because if you think that your your football team is with Deshaun Watson instead of Sam Darnold, a playoff team, then. I think you have to make that move. The Jets seem far away right now. Um, which is why I don't know if I would do it. I would certainly consider it. Depends on how you feel about those guys at number two. Um, I tend to think that, look, you know, it, it may be a lot cheaper to draft Justin Fields or Zach Wilson and keep all the draft capital that you have. Um, To me, I think teams that should go after Deshaun Watson are teams that are legitimately close right now, and do feel like they're one dynamic quarterback away from competing. Um, Indianapolis, uh, Chicago, San Francisco, those kind of teams that, like, not to say, not saying that you you know you don't have to be a playoff team, you know, to say that because Deshaun Watson is good enough to where if your team just has really bad quarterback play, that you can. (laughs) that adding him to your roster can really can turn you into a playoff team but the jets seem like and i think like the like he would make the jets better but is he making them an eight-win team like is he going from does he make the jets what houston you know kind of is like he i mean he'd be better than that because he wouldn't be as dysfunctional um and ultimately like deshaun watson would be your quarterback for the next eight to ten years so you i mean it'd be cool with that too um but that, that's what you're going to have to ask yourself. And I think that's what all these teams are going to have to ask themselves. Uh, Miami's another team that obviously has a lot of assets and is very close to, be, to being in contention. But they also have Tua. But that's, I guess, the Miami, that's the question I would raise to you, EJ. Is that, you know, obviously the Miami situation with Tua is like the worst case scenario. If you're saying, like, not not to say Tua's a scrub, like, it's not the worst case scenario, but, like, if you're saying that if you're the Jets and you can just take Field, you can just take Zach Wilson and try and build around a young quarterback, well, it's like, well, what if we're the Dolphins and in a year we're really good, but now we have a rookie quarterback and we could have had Deshaun Watson and we really could have been competitive. with the Dolphins had Deshaun Watson instead of Tua this season, they could have they could have been what the Buffalo Bills are, but, mm-hmm. you know, they had Ryan Fitzpatrick and they had Tua, how would you feel about how would you feel about that? You know, do you feel like the Jets could be like the Dolphins next year? If you do think so you can, then you have to make that move. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the
0: Jets is is I feel like in in some ways Joe Douglas knows. I, I think he's done a good job. I know there's questions about the job he's done. In some ways, he kind of had to tear it down in order to kind of build it up. You know, the Jets, even if they acquired. The, someone like Deshaun's salary would still be talking about a team with $60, $70 million in cap space. I mean, the, the the team in many ways is a blank slate. So it's hard for me to really even judge the Jets for who they are now with Deshaun because I don't think the team and a lot of this main pieces would look necessarily the same. I mean, you can't just change the whole team like you can in, in some ways in basketball uh, in football. But the, and they just have a lot of issues, a lot of holes. But, you know... My assumption is if you get Deshaun, you're going to get a no one type receiver. My assumption is you may even get a, a two or three to, to go opposite him to go along with Mims. And my assumption is you do something drastic defensively. I don't know how many players it is or uh, whatever. I feel like you're probably getting a star on defense. so stars and I don't want to sound like a Knicks fan who thinks we're just getting all these guys but just given where the Jets kind of that's that's what you're looking at I think if Deshaun signs so the question is do you think that Deshaun and a few other guys immediately turns the Jets into a Super Bowl contender and it would that be worth it or a playoff contender even would that be worth it my question is what the the alter I don't know if they could the I don't know if they they, they could my question is can they afford the alternative which is you're in a division where Deshaun goes to Miami because they have the, a lot of assets. And they have a position where maybe they could get him. And now you're in a division with Deshaun Watson. You're in a division with Josh Allen. Uh, two teams that won double-digit wins last year. Two teams that appear to be not going anywhere in terms of being you know, pretty good franchises that will be in playoff contention for years to come. And Bill Belichick is still in your division. I know he's on some down times right now, but if history tells us anything, his down times don't last very long. So, I mean, can you afford that if you have opportunity to get a franchise caliber quarterback, can you afford to not get him, and then can you afford to allow him to go to another team and be in your same division? I don't know if you can afford that. If it come to bidding war between the Jets and the Dolphins, just for preservation purposes, the Jets may have to win that because you could draft a, a decent quarterback, but if he's still getting his brains beaten by the Bills and the Dolphins, and he's still got to deal with the Patriots, he ain't gonna be around long anyway. So I mean that that's that's a real conversation that you're gonna have to have.
1: That's where you know Joe Douglas obviously is a scout, scout, yeah. um, an excellent player personnel guy. That's where he would have to trust, uh, and also obviously the coach. And stuff would have to trust their evaluation of Wilson Fields. If you think that those guys, like, think about the Cardinals' position a couple of years ago when they brought in Kyler Murray, you know, I mean, the the Rams were were coming with Goff, mm-hmm. the Seahawks were top dog, the Niners got Garoppolo. I mean, it, you didn't know, you didn't look you didn't look like they were going to be in the best position, um, but. That wasn't gonna that wasn't gonna scare them from from not bringing in a young quarterback and in a year you know they they just missed the playoffs um, you
0: know I think I would argue just real quickly the difference there was they had the number one pick not the number two pick and the other thing would be they weren't in the well, yeah. they weren't in the position to, to potentially trade for I like yeah, a, guy for a, a,
1: shot, a star yeah. that's that's a star quarterback now All right. And that's why that's why I argue like that's why you have that's why you have to this way has to know how good Wilson and Fields are. If you think that those guys could be like Murray, where they are top flight quarterbacks early in their careers, then I would just say you prefer to bring those guys in. But I mean, if you think that those guys could be your more traditional rookie quarterback, um, you know, akin to what Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold have been, <laughs> and no. You know, you have to make this move for Watson. And that's that's the fear. I think that those guys are special. I think both of them are better, are much closer to what Justin Herbert is. Um, you know, I like them both better, both better than Justin Herbert. You know, so take that for what it's worth. But even if they're not better than Justin Herbert, like, I think they're closer to what Herbert Burrow were this year than they are to what, you know, Dwayne Haskins and Daniel Jones and those guys are. Yeah. Um, which is why I would feel more comfortable if I were the Jets sitting back, you know, and, and, and just making the selections with all the draft picks that you have. But. But I understand. I understand both sides, you know, because it's it's it, drafting quarterbacks is such a scary proposition, especially if you don't have the roster around you. And, and I'm arguing that they may not have the roster around Deshaun Watson. Now I'm saying put a rookie quarterback around that roster. So that's yeah. that is the, that's the conundrum. But I feel like if you don't draft, if you if you don't trade all your assets for Watson, you could use those assets to get other great players to put around your uh, to put around your your rookie quarterback, who I think could still be really good. So that's that's the that's the conundrum. If you told me like we were talking about drafting Trey Lance, or we were talking about drafting Mac Jones at number two, and then I would <laughs> I would say no, you got go. I think you got to go and get Deshaun Watson. That's why I think those other teams. Like, you know, the Dolphins are in a unique position. I mean, they're drafting three. They can say, all right, you guys are getting what you call it. I will take Justin Fields. Like, I mean, they (laughs) they can do whatever they want. But um, if you guys are getting Deshaun Watson. But, like, a team like the Niners or the Colts um, or the Bears that made the playoffs or outside of the top ten or outside of even just getting that kind of guy uh, in the draft, they have to make a move for Deshaun Watson. 'Cause they, that's the only way they're getting a franchise quarterback. Franchise quarterbacks don't get on the board unless they are drafted. Um, typically. Unless they're you're getting them. Yeah. In the draft.
0: So Yeah, that's why that's why this that's why I feel like this is a, a once in a lifetime opportunity that to me I, I really feel they just don't have. Like I shout out to uh Joe Buck during the broadcast this weekend when he said that, you know, Drew Reed really, really was truly one of the greatest free agent signings in sports. And he's one hundred percent right. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And one of the things that made that so unique was, you know, star quarterbacks don't really come on the market ever. Yeah. And one of the main reasons, I mean, San Diego was wanted to go to Phil Rivers, but still, what made his, his thing unique also was that injury that he had with his shoulder. Yeah. He didn't know what he was going to be. And you know, New Orleans took a chance on him, and he, he, he took a chance on New Orleans. But, like, because this is so rare, and because the Jets have had such a disastrous time with quarterbacks, and because we know De- uh, Deshaun is a star. I mean, there's no question about that. He's just on a bad team. It's like, am I going to – why Why roll the dice with, like, someone you, that you just don't know for sure? We could think these guys have it, but, you know, quarterback drafting is just a complete crapshoot. And I, I, and I think to me well, – the question I have also is do you think it, it – do you think Deshaun cost the number two pick? Because I feel like I've seen it both sides. I've seen some people say that no, you should be able to get him with giving up twenty three or twenty. Is, uh, is Bill O'Brien the coach? <laughs> Bill O'Brien's not the coach
1: of the, of the or the GM of the Texans anymore. <laughs> uh, he, no, yeah, no. He, he costs the number two pick. Yeah, He definitely cost the number two pick. You think? Yeah, it, like he may not cost you everything. You know, like they just have what two first round picks in the issue draft. Uh you may be able to keep the other one, um, because what other team's offering the number two pick? I mean, the, I mean, the Dolphins may be offering number three, but, um, the Dolphins really going to offer they number three and
0: Tua? What you say the Dolphins really going to offer number three and
1: Tua? They have that luxury. I mean, why? Like in theory, like you're we're already why, a why would you need to like, right? Yeah, you don't need Tua, and like you don't really need the number three pick. It's it's a luxury. You know, so if I can if I can use that number three, you don't need to. Uh, if I use that number three pick to draft, to to essentially draft Deshaun Watson, <laughs> then um, now they still may need to give up other stuff. You know, like they you'd have to get multiple first round picks to get Deshaun Watson. But I think if I was uh, the Jets, I think you know what I would do. I
0: think I would, if I had to give up two, which is very possible. I think I would, I, I, I think I might still do it, but I try to minimize the amount of the the other first round picks I'd have to give up potentially. And I try to move. Uh, I try to. Well, I try to move Donnar for sure. But I'd also try to see if I could package my picks next year to move up in this draft still to get back into the top ten or ten at least. Right? Cause Cause you I have think, the I think big. they. Yeah, I think they have to leave this draft with another potent offensive weapon, whether it be on the line or on at wide receiver. Like to me, I. I mean, you may. I mean, in, like to be fair, there's plenty of evidence to suggest that you can get a great receiver in the second round or late in the first round, as you would know, being a Vikings fan. But <laughs> I'm looking at Chase and I'm looking at Devontae Smith, and I'm like, man, you gotta find a way to leave one of those guys. You got to find great a way. Receivers ever. We're both Vikings and they were both drafted <laughs> outside of the top 15. Yep. <laughs> I know. I know. So you definitely know that you don't have to do that. But I, I looked, I saw my two, two uh, the two best guys in this draft are definitely guys that will not be there at 15 in my opinion. Yeah. So I, I'm saying, man, I, I I need to try to get those guys. I need to do it. So I would still try to find a way to trade back up into that, into that first round. If there's, I mean, and then look, again, there are some people thinking yeah, you can do it with, uh, with the other picks you have. Cause, I mean, the Jets, again, have a lot of picks. So, hey, if you could take 24 and take some other picks and give them Sam Darnold, and you keep two, and you get the Sean. Then I mean, you know that trade should be done yesterday.
1: Man, you know how demoralizing that'd be for the city of Houston. If they got, I mean, they were, they were about to hold a rally. If they got
0: I'm Sam kind of, Sam twenty four next year's first, you yeah, think that that's a that's a.
1: they were about, about to hold a protest. outside of NRG Stadium for because of all the Deshaun Watson stuff, and Watson had to tell them to chill because of uh, because of COVID, but. Like if they if they traded Watson if they traded Watson they didn't get back a top five pick from a team that had a top five pick <laughs> then they just had the number two pick in the draft
0: though dog like that's a that's not like that's a lot I mean if you get if I'm giving you number two pick I'm not giving you that much more else man because the thing about the number two pick is I'm also incorporating... I, mean, I mean I'm I'm just in uh, I know Deshaun's a superstar but I'm just inheriting all that bread like. You taking all that bread off your books, and you putting in a number two pick with making way less than Deshaun. Like Deshaun's getting like they paid him like a four hundred million dollar contract. Like I know it's fake money, quote unquote, but still, like <laughs> I I mean that's a lot of money, dog. Like like I mean I mean if you getting I'm giving you number two pick, you ain't getting much more else. So that's yeah. why I just say you know I I preface you know what the value is. Um, you know I saw one trade. And shout out to uh brothers from another mother. Uh, one of them had like the number two and next year's first and some other stuff. Sam Darn, I think, was in there. And the Jets got back, uh, Randall Cobb and Deshaun. And I was <laughs> like, I don't know why we need Randall Cobb, but okay. Uh, <laughs> uh sounds like Bill O'Brien logic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, I don't know why Randall Cobb is coming back in this, but well, okay. I mean that's the that's the that's the that's the tax. <laughs> if you you, John Watson, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna take you
1: gonna take this you're old, gonna take Randall Cobb, this, this old slot receiver, you know, make him chill on your roster. Robert Sala, he's gonna need a wide receivers coach. So,
0: uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Let me other. Look, man, uh, 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 What's the name knows the Shanahan system? So and we got Michael Four running the offense. So uh, can't, Cobb would uh, he that's might fit in better than we think. That's true. He might um, fit in better. He knows that he knows that 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 that, uh, that offense. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I think I mean we both agree though that this this is going to end in the Deshaun trade, right? That this is definitely. That, yeah, that's where I'm at. Smoke out there for no reason. Yeah, to um, me, like he, like to me, it definitely appears to me that like not unless Houston I'm not saying that anybody's anybody's mouthpiece, but it definitely to me is feels like Deshaun is feeding certain media personalities and reporters.
1: Yeah, Deshaun.
0: yeah. It is, it is. This is what I, this is what I'm looking at. These are the teams They've that seem that, right that seem to have the kind of right pieces in place. If they do the right thing, I'll come over. Like he has no trade clause too, so I think the fact that. The Teams that are being mentioned, like they keep putting, like, I think these are they're being mentioned for a reason. Like, I think he really would be interested in New York, I think he'd really be interested in Miami. I like, think that's why those are the teams that we've been hearing recently. Yeah, he he's not trying to go to Indy necessarily. No. That's why we yeah. haven't heard Indianapolis mentioned. That's why when Indianapolis, when when Philip Rivers retired, that's why Andrew Luck was, was trending.
1: Like yeah, if he so, was talking about Luck, not David. the Sean Watson,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, because. I don't think that Watson is putting it out into the universe that he wants to go to Indianapolis. I think he yeah. wants and Luck, And New hope York or luck. Miami, which who wouldn't want New York or Miami, let's be honest. I hope Luck comes back,
1: man. I don't think he will. He seems like the kind of guy. That I kind of don't, man. Like, yo, like I saw these people he saying, yo, man,
0: yeah, it. let that man live in peace. This is a violent game. It's a dangerous game. It ain't same- violent
1: when you're playing behind Quentin Nelson. <laughs> yeah, but he
0: spent years playing behind a bunch of bums. He's been a lot of years, a lot of years before he got to quit yeah. Nelson. And by that time, it was too late. He, the, the the spirit had already been beaten out of him. Let that man live in peace. Let that man enjoy his retirement. I hope, I mean, if he comes back, I hope that he's happy about it and I will support and you know, root for him on, of course. But I'm not clamoring for him to
1: come back. Me. I hope he just enjoys his retirement. He got rested. He got healthy. Um, you know, and now he gets to play behind the one of the best offensive line in the league. Uh, you know, he's not going to, he's not, he seemed super serious when he said he's not playing, he's done. He, He gave everything he had, uh, which is sad, you know, because, you know, he got just beat up for, for eight years or however long it was. But, um, but I just hope, I hope he, I hope he does. If not, Indianapolis is really it's going to bind. Did they want Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins. It, 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 I mean, where does Kirk Cousins rank in the history of sports free agent signings? Uh, not very high. <laughs> not in the top 100. <laughs> that's, man. I still say that. they dodged such a major bullet. They could have Kirk Cousins on their team right now. Yo, man, if it wasn't for Kirk Cousins thinking the Jets were trash, he would be a Jet. Like, that's crazy. You think about yeah, it. Yeah, for the Vikings' uh, desperation, um, and he basically went to the Vikings and said, "Yo, please give me a
0: deal I can't refuse, or I have to go to New York." And he was like, "All right." They were like, "All right,
1: <laughs>
0: we got him." Yeah, and like, thank God you guys did, because yeah, the Jets had Kirk Cousins right now. This would be you would be uh, the Vikings. They'd <laughs> no, the Jets would be worse than the Vikings. Because you want really have them. It wouldn't help. Like, I mean, we don't we, there's not a lot of hope for Sam, but there is some question that maybe if things were better or things could get better, he could be better. I mean, there's no hope or no question about Kirk Cousins. And there'd be less of a hope or a question had we seen yes. him with the Jets weapons and the Jets offensive talent compared to what the Vikings offensive talent and weapons are. They were trying to pay this guy more than the Vikings paid him. And I, I mean, that was not That's what John said, say. Yeah. It was like oh, yo, <laughs> he's like, Yo, please give me a comparable I'm offer. There.
1: I'm uh this guy's name, uh that's what oh, that was Mcagnin.
0: Yeah, that clown Mcagnin. Yeah, that was she Look, shout out. I know I called him a clown. I didn't mean to. But yo, man, <laughs> Mcagnin, man, that was oh. mm. just has not had good luck with front office people. Jets just, I, I really should have ended that comment with just just has haven't had good luck. <laughs> I was like, that I good luck with a lot of things. It's not just front office people. Just has haven't had good luck. Period. I think that's probably just end it there. Uh, Staying on, uh, I guess, front office stuff, we had a lot of coaching hires recently. Um, Dan Campbell introduced at the new Lions head coach. That man got a six-year deal and then went and had a press conference talking about eating uh, kneecaps and breaking faces and other weird euphemisms. Um, but he's the coach of the uh, Detroit Lions. Again, a six-year deal. That's a very rare thing. Um, Kyle Shanahan got a six-year deal. And ironically, as Bomani just pointed out, he's the only guy in that class of co- new coaches that still has a job. Uh, and so, I mean, maybe that's a good hope for the Lions. That, hey, last time a guy was given this kind of vote of conference, you know, the team was really excited and happy for where they went, and the coach is still there. But uh, he's a new coach there. We got uh, Sirianni, former offensive coordinator for Indianapolis. He did not call play for the Colts, but he is uh, a head coach for the Eagles now. I just feel like though know, to me, I hate. I don't want to rain on the parades of, of Campbell or on Sirianni. You know, anytime you get an opportunity to be an NBA, NFL, me, NFL head coach, it's a it's a dream come true. All of these guys who get there work their behinds off to get there, so I don't want to you know minimize their 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 role and their to their come up in any way, but. It just it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth that we we sit here and no no black coaches hired in this uh, period so far we're coming down to the wire where it doesn't look good that we'll get a black coach and I'll say what I said on Twitter man if if an offensive coordinator there was a coordinator for the most explosive offense three years running coaching in a championship Sunday for the opportunity to go to another Super Bowl after winning Super Bowl last year. If that man was white, there's just no way in hell you could tell me that he wouldn't have got a coaching offer. There's no way. No way at all. It's, it's, in, it's inexcusable that Eric Bayan and me, no one thinks that he could be an NFL head coach. And that there are all these other guys who have way less impressive resumes that are getting these head coaching hires. And I think for a lot of people to see Sirianni, and again, no disrespect to him, uh, it seems like a good, young, bright, offensive guy, Frank Reich is uh, I think a great offensive coach. So anybody is coaching under him, I'm a good, you know, definitely give a certain look. And I can see why Philly will look at him considering it seems like they want to rehabilitate Wentz. I just think it's frustrating to me that with all that being said, all we heard was that Biennium not calling the plays or only calling some of the plays was a detriment to maybe people believing him as an offensive coach. And you have guys who have coached way worse offenses getting coaching jobs, uh, despite not calling plays. And you have guys who uh, who never call plays, uh, guys who aren't play callers, like Dan Campbell getting six-year deals. Like, it's just like these kind of like gaslighting excuses are starting to become a little ridiculous. And it's just unfortunate. I mean, to me, the Arthur Smith one, you know, Sirianni, I can kind of believe a little bit and kind of explain away to some degree. The, the, uh, the Arthur Smith one was a little, that's the one I, I I still have trouble with, man. Like Tennessee plays old man football, and they do it because they got a sledgehammer. Um, I think he's a good offensive coach, at, and I, I actually gave him praise last year for the games he was calling. But that's insane to me that he would be considered more head coaching material than a guy who's, again, coached the most explosive offense in the NFL for three straight years in a row. I don't understand it. And it's uh, it's just unfortunate because you just see, you know, in, in wrestling we say, you know, you put the rocket ship on guys and they just go to the moon. And you see, you know, predominantly white young coaches get that rocket ship regardless of their experience to get shot to the moon. Guys with way less experience than BNM has had in the past get shot to the moon. And a guy with BNM's resume, if he was white, just would, he would be a head coach by now. There's no there's no discussion. Like I Like, you can't even argue that. And the, an the idea that not one team finds him hireable, and that all these other guys with—I don't want to say shaky resumes—they're all highly regarded because they're getting head coaching jobs. But resumes that don't match up. And so you're telling me if you're not hiring, you're hiring them because of the resume. That's not—that can't be possible given what the other what the enemy has accomplished. Uh, it, it's just—it's just sad, man. And it's just—it leads to uh, you know kind of a, a conundrum of, of how is the NFL going to tackle this systemic racism that is prevalent in co- hiring NFL head coaches. It's just obvious. There's so many black assistants. There's so many black players. And they're just not getting the kind of opportunities to be head coaches as uh, white coaches are. And it's just the facts. And there's no other way to describe it. And I don't know how they fix it. But... If we don't address it or talk about it, then uh, I guess we'll never really get moving in that direction.
1: Um, yeah, on uh, the enemy. I mean, you know, I mentioned it last week. It was uh, it was bizarre that he hadn't been hired yet, and it didn't seem like at the time that he was going to get a job. Um, you know, I think I think bizarre Joe Brady hasn't didn't get hired, but Joe Brady, you know, really, I mean. You know, it's not like the Panthers were the best team in the league. Um, And he's only been in the league for one year. And he's like 30, he's like 32 years old or whatever he is. So, 31. So, it's not like, you know, you know, I'm not crying about Joe Brady not getting a head coaching job. But, you know, to me, that tells me something. Like, Joe Brady,
0: like, has not accomplished nearly as much as Eric Bieniemy. And you're saying you're surprised he didn't get a job. It's like, yeah, that's a right. part of the problem. Like, right. a white guy with his resume has gotten jobs. <laughs> yeah. But, like with Airbnb in some ways we're kind of not surprised and that's crazy
1: yeah yeah I mean I think the enemy situation you know I mean I hope that this hasn't become and I don't know you know this is more speculation but I hope that this hasn't become almost like a like a Kaepernick situation where like there's almost like now like a collective like uncomfortability about hiring enemy because of because there's been so much pressure around people talking about hiring him. Um, I'd I'd feel more confident in that being the case if, like, other black coaches were getting hired, but, you know, there hasn't been any this this, this cycle anyway, so it's not as if, like, teams are going to other black coaches and avoiding the enemy. So that makes me think that it's not necessarily that, but but the fact that he keeps getting these interviews, to me, like, this is a, I mean, it's, it's like a Rooney Rule situation. I mean, Anthony Lynn... Talked about it when he would be the guy. He said he he started turning down job interviews that he knew he wasn't going to get the job. Because he knew he was just becoming the Rudy Rule guy. And I think, similar to Anthony Lynn, I think Eric Bieniemy is getting tagged, I think, a lot. I think a lot of the reason why he's not getting the looks. Um you know i think it doesn't help that he's a running back coach uh or he was a running back coach you know i guess they feel like um you know that that's not as as traditional of a of a route to be a head coach but even that is like you know i mean like there there's a there's a problem that there's only 3 black uh quarterbacks coaches in the league um and you know, I think that's 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 if you wanna ask why why that's a problem or why where the problem lies, I think that's one of the problems. Um you know, I think I mean to me, I mean, the enemy like if I'm putting if I'm putting together my own list of coaches just from a just from like a resume and like you know, being a football fan, like guys who I would imagine like assistants that I would imagine, um would be at the top of my list. Um, The enemy is in the top three. No question. You know, I've heard really good things about Brandon Staley, defense coordinator of the Rams. Um, I, and I, I mean, I texted you. I thought that was a weird fit considering their best defensive player. Doesn't seem like an ideal fit in a three, four scheme, but that's not a, you know, I don't think they're worried about one player when it comes to hiring a head coach. Um, you know, I mentioned last week that Joe Brady would end up being a, a coaching star, whether it be in college or the NFL. Uh, he just seems like a super smart guy. Um, but after, but even then, I mean, after that, I mean, is, you know, even like, I don't know, other, the rest of these guys that have been in the cycle, it's not it hasn't been like the most impressive crop of guys. Um, so to me, it's strange. I mean, I guess I get to Urban Meyer situation, but... Like, like you said, anybody with enemy's record and enemy's resume, having coach Patrick Mahomes um, <laughs> these last three seasons, to me, any, like you said, anybody with that resume. I mean, teams inter- were interviewing Mike Kafka, the quarterbacks coach in Kansas City. Like, no, nah, he didn't get a job, so I'm not saying that, all oh, teams are hiring Mac- Mike Kafka over Eric enemy But those guys shouldn't both be getting interviews and not getting jobs. Like, that doesn't make sense. Why am I, why am I, why would I be hiring enemies or even looking at BNM's, uh, the guy under him, his underling, and not enemy? Why would I not, like, be like, oh, so I gotta hire his boss if he's available, but no, I don't want him either. It, it's, yeah, it's strange. it's, um, it's
0: yeah, it's, it's messed up, man, you know, and we talk yeah. about, you know, his, his, you know, track record as a previous running backs coach. I mean, you no, know, Dan Campbell has spent most of his career as a tight ends coach.
1: As a tight ends coach, yeah, I don't know. I
0: know I know he did, you know, have a head coaching stint, like an interim stint in there, one of those terrible Miami seasons where he came in. Yeah, and he actually did a decent right. job. Um yeah. but like that man got a six-year deal off of a yeah. 11, 11 or twelve-game stint as a Miami coach where he went five and seven and has been a tight end coach the rest of his career. Never played quarterback, none of that like he went on his Sounded like a Mortal Kombat character in his introductory press conference. I mean, what's going on here, man? Like, like you can't tell me about interviews and you giving Dan Campbell a six-year deal. You just can't. Like, I like. I'm sorry. Like, like, and I'm not saying that you know Campbell can't be a great coach, but it's just the excuses we keep hearing, and then the characters we keep seeing get jobs don't add up to why the enemy doesn't have a job. We keep hearing there are there are these reasonable excuses to why he's not getting a job he doesn't interview well and then again a mortal Kombat guy goes out there and talks about beheading people in his introductory press conference adam Gase looks like he's never been in front of people before like okay so that so that's something you said uh oh he doesn't he never called plays okay the guy who coached the worst offense in indianapolis just got hired by the eagles we've had plenty of other guys who've been getting hired recently that never called plays before including people who, like, are special teams coaches. Uh, okay. Um, character. Urban Meyer just got a job. <laughs> that's enough said. I don't got to go anymore. Like, how these, like, that's the problem, is you give me what on, in a vacuum, sound like reasonable excuses, except for when I see these people that are getting jobs. And then when I see these people that are getting jobs, and then I come back to, well, not only, even if those things were true about this guy, he still had the best offense in the NFL the last three seasons. His team still won a Super Bowl. He's still one game away from winning another Super Bowl. The other excuse was, oh, well, also, we don't want to wait to hire him. We're tired of having to wait. Um, you know, uh, we don't want to wait anymore. We want to just hire a guy now. Well, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know how many terrible Bill Belichick assistants that became head coaches. Do you guys wait till Super Bowls, wait till conference championship games to hire all these years? Because I can yep. name you a million of them. And, in fact, shout-out to the Miami Dolphins. They waited for Brian Flores. So, so, so like, it, this, they, like that's why it's so egregious to me because all the seasons that they have have all been exhausted. So, what is it? We know other, what it is because otherwise we'd hear some crazy spin or some crazy smear campaign that hasn't been launched because there. I don't think there's anything to
1: smear him about. The other question that I have about the enemy you know, and we're this is like me, like, assuming, like, not, assuming that it's, it's, that there is some other reason, you know, and it's not the obvious reason that we talked about. Um, do you, I mean, is there a, is, is it a thing where, like, these teams are, like, they don't believe that he's as good of a coach as the, the numbers say he is? I mean, to me, like, if, you know, that, that has never been, that's never been a criteria, Um, but like, obviously Patrick Mahomes is, is, is such a a great player. I totally think that there
0: is something going on here with the people trying to explain away the chief success, whether it be for Reed or whether it be Mahomes. I think clearly race is the number one issue, but, and, and it, it doesn't have to be like an explicit issue. It could be an implicit issue, but either way it's the, to me, the obvious issue. But what? Okay, well, how are they getting around that? I think that is to me it has to be the example. Oh well, they have a lot of talent. He did Mahomes, or it's well, Andy Reid does everything. He's a great officer of mine. Again, my problem is we've seen guys who have done less, who have done worse, get jobs. Like yeah. for like, how many Bill Belichick? Is, like Bill Belichick is the greatest NFL coach of all time by almost all accounts, or by many accounts at least. Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback by almost all accounts, or at least a lot of accounts. How many New England Patriots, the coaches, that we see get hired over the last 20 years where we never had a question about, well, I mean, the media and us people who commentate on this had a question, but never in the organization with a question of, oh, well, how much does this guy really do, and how much is this really Brady's success, or how much is this really Belichick's success, like, like, and I'm not trying to, Again, no disrespect to Andy Reid and to Pat Mahomes. Those are, they're the two of the best in their fields. But, like, to me, they're not Brady and Belichick. Like, they haven't gotten to that level yet, clearly. So, how is it that that is weighing the enemy down so much that they're willing to just disregard his, any of his success? And other guys are being pushed ahead of him despite the fact that these same teams has hired... X amount of Belichick assistance over the course of all these years. I don't understand that. Like, that to me is the, is the part of this that is, that's that's probably the thing that bothers me the most, is just that I've seen now. And to be fair, you no know, Belichick's had Romeo Cornell, He's had, obviously, Brian Flores. Like, he's pushed all assistants, black, white, whatever. And, 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 you know, I think he's done his part. But that's the issue I have with this, is that if, even if you're trying to explain away this man's success... You didn't do it with other successful people. Like, even if there was reason to be questionable, you still gave them a chance. That's the whole yeah. thing. It's, I can't tell you if Bel- Eric Bianami is going to be a great coach. Do I think he has the potential to be? All the numbers and everything suggests he does. But the idea is all we want. And that's when it comes to, when it comes to fighting inequality. It's all you want is opportunity, a chance. And he's
1: not even given being given a chance. And it was so bizarre. that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. It was so bizarre that the NFL is, as we've seen, we've followed the game for a long time. The league, when it comes to hiring, has always been so much about what's what's in, what's hot, what's new. Exactly. What what You know, we, it's a copycat league. It is why all the Belichick disciples always got hired because everyone <laughs> wanted to be their own version of New England. And right now, the quote-unquote dynasty is in Kansas City.
0: Yeah, the hot the hot thing right now is what Kansas City is doing. Yeah, they want nothing. They want nothing
1: to do with the hot, with the top assistant on that they team. What they're doing offensively. Yes, and they and it's you know again, you can mention, you can say, oh, it's because of Andy Reid. Well, Andy Reid, you know what NFL teams would have said in two thousand and five, or really what they would have said in two thousand ten. We don't have to go back that far. Or or if you want to say what, like what you said earlier, what they would have said if Airbnb was white, <laughs> like oh, well we can't get Andy Reid. Well, let's get the next best thing. His office right. coordinator. You yeah. know, like, that's what the Eagles said. They didn't say that, but I would assume that's what the Eagles are doing with hiring Nick Sirianni. You know, they they really like Frank Reich. He was their offensive coordinator when they last won the Super Bowl. And they haven't been the same since he left. They really like Frank Reich. Well, you know what they're saying? Let's get the next best thing. His office coordinator. Like, why isn't that same? Like, there's nothing special about Sirianni. I'm sure they interviewed him. They really liked him. But there's nothing inherently special about his profile.
0: And remember about Frank Reich, Kendall. Reich didn't call plays when he got the job with the Colts, just
1: like Sirianni didn't call plays with the yes. Colts. Now he
0: never went to the Super Bowl.
1: Yes, <laughs> and you can argue, like if you think, like like I said, like there may not be anything special about Sirianni's profile and you could argue maybe there's nothing special about the profile i mean i would argue there is but maybe i mean you really serious. can't though like that's the thing like, yeah, we, I mean, no, we, like we, say, we gotta
0: like, we gotta stop with some of these like qualifiers like there's right. no he won a but, Super Bowl. there is saying, something special about his
1: resume but but even if we're saying that like that has never been the that's never been the talking point in the nfl like that's never been the 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 deal breaker is valid right well. Especially on this guy's resume, like you know how many offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators from New England? Who I could have always told you, especially the defense coordinators, Belichick. That's all Belichick. Don't <laughs> it's all smoke. We've seen it in college football with with Saban. All of his all of his coaches end up getting coaching jobs, but like, but we don't want Eric Bieniemy. It's again, it's it's strange. Um, it's strange. You know, I would almost argue, I mean, if I'm the enemy, I'm starting to think, do I, well, one, do I start looking at college football coaching jobs? But ultimately, do I think about, you know, I mean, he can't, he technically can't get a lateral move, but he can't go someplace else. But that would be best for his career, is finding another offensive coordinator job. But that's almost insulting.
0: I mean, it's just, it's just,
1: it's just disgraceful that we had to,
0: without we're even talking about that that like, oh, maybe he should coordinate somewhere else. It's like, again, we would never have that conversation about someone in that same, with the same credentials, with the same situation, if that was a white man. We just wouldn't. And the NFL and its owners, have in, 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 they have uh, embodied uh, a, a coaching system that is biased. It's not my job to answer why it's biased. It's their job to fix it. I don't know why it's biased. But it's clear that black coaches just have the odds stacked against them in ways that white coaches just don't. And we'll see if Eric gets the job. Again, it's not looking good. But another cycle, no no black coaches appears. Um, the amount of black coaches that are in the league, seem to be dwindling. It's not getting better. It's getting worse right now. Something's got to give, man. Something is clearly off. There's just too many rotten organizations (laughs) for you them to keep hiring the same kind of people. Like, I don't know. If everybody was really good, like maybe it still would be ridiculous. But like the notion that, oh, we know what we want. We know what it takes to be an NFL coach. I'm like, really? Really, Cincinnati? You know what it takes to be an NFL coach? I know that's been a bad example because they had a black coach for like ten years, but really, Jacksonville, really, really, Houston, you guys know what it what it, what it takes to get a real good NFL head coach. Like, how come you haven't never displayed it in the last recent history? You know, like so that, that, yeah. that, that's that's uh, that's a that's just that's just the frustrating part about this, and I don't know. Um, shout out to Eric Bana. I hope he ends up getting a job. It's not looking good, but uh, we'll see how that ends up shaking out. Uh, I did want to quickly talk about um one job opening up. By the way, uh, in in like one sentence, what do you think of Kevin Porter after his tantrum being traded to Houston?
1: Uh, what did they give up? I don't, I don't, know they, I
0: don't think they gave up anything.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Nothing of yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, second round pick, future second round pick protected. It is top fifty five protected, which I didn't even know was possible.
1: Yeah, Kevin Poirier, he was acting kind of crazy. Um, you know, it's not like Kobe Allman wanted nothing to do with him. He basically called the Cavs, like, a, you know, said what the Cavs were doing to him modern-day slavery. You know, I mean, I I don't know. Because <laughs> they changed his locker. I don't know what was going on in that situation. But they they traded him. With um, Wall, Boogie, I could see those guys being good vets for him. Um, I feel like he would, you know, he would understand playing with them. Um, I mean, but it's a reclamation project. He's not, a, you know, he's a, he's a talented player. He, he deserves that credit, but um, you get him for the cheap. You get him for the cheapest that you can get, the cheapest value possible, and uh, you continue to stack assets. I, I I'm for it.
0: Um, I, first of all, like I told you earlier this week. I don't want to ever hear anyone talk about you know Porter being some uh guy who fell steel. and some steel. Like, I mean, the guy uh, clearly was a character red flag. And um, I know he was dealing with some mental health issues. That's why he was kind of away from the team. I pray that he's getting the help that he needs and the support he needs. Clearly, he continues to need more support. So I hope Houston has an infrastructure in place to give him that. Um, I actually think that roster... I know some people may think is Wall and Beal good for him. I, mean, I kind of think that those guys have been through a lot. I actually think that they actually may end up being really good for him, uh, and I hope he able to get his life and game together because the guy has talent. But what was what was kind of clear in college and is you know been very clear since he's entered the NBA. I mean, again, it's a character red flag, and it's just a matter of uh, can they support him and get him help he needs to uh, to be able to perform on the court because the guy does have talent. He can't play. But, you know, that kind of flyer is kind of flyer Houston's going to have to take now that they've lost Harden. So them being the team to take the plunge on Kevin, I'm not surprised. Uh, I do want to quickly talk about the Tennessee situation. So uh, Tennessee fired um, their coach, Jeremy Pruitt, after about, what, three seasons, I think it was. They're not very happy with how it all ended. There was an internal investigation they found some uh, recruiting impro- improper, improper imp- improprieties. Was, I don't know why I can say that word. Uh, that led to his firing. I'm sure the mediocre football seasons they also put together since he's been the head coach didn't help either. They also got rid of uh, Phil Fulmer, who was in that AD role. They actually announced a uh, uh, new AD today. Um, the former AD of UCF is now going to be the athletic director for Tennessee. Danny White, I think that's actually a really great move. Danny White's done a great job uh, as the athletic director for Central Florida. Not just their football program, their basketball program has also been really well, really well run under him. They've kind of become a first class yeah. kind of like he's not an actual championship too. <laughs> Relax, um, they've kind of become a, a, a kind of a first class athletic program under athletic. Under, under him. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he deserves like credit. So I think that that's a great hire. I'm giving credit for that. Uh, Man, what's up with the Tennessee deal, man? Like, I mean, you kind of talked about it I want to kind of have that same conversation here. I mean, that job, it's, like, nuts to me just, like, how long it's been since Tennessee has been, like, as great as, like, their fans want you to believe they always have been.
1: Yeah. Like, there are those years long. Out- yeah, there are those teams out there um, in college sports. um, you, Nebraska football. Indiana basketball. Uh, I'm sure we could think of others that are like that. UCLA basketball is getting pretty close to that, um, although they did have the season with Lonzo Ball. Uh, but there are those types of jobs out there that, in those types of schools, that um, don't, that aren't nearly like that. High school kids that they would have to be recruiting wouldn't be old enough to recollect any time they were good, and that's the that is the problem. Like and for Tennessee football and like Nebraska football, like it's literally like they haven't been, they haven't been good, like good as in like BCS bowl slash playoff or conference championship good, in since any of these kids were born, and that that's a problem. Um, Like the the like for for Tennessee. Their related, their, like, their connection, like, for example, like, Trevor Lawrence grew up a Tennessee football fan. That was because he was a huge fan of Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. But, like, even, but, like, Trevor Lawrence grew up in an era where Peyton Manning, like, was still playing, was still playing, you know, in the NFL. And, you know, obviously, like, he, might, and he may have been in the Broncos or late in his in indie when Trevor Lawrence was watching. But, like, still, like, Trevor like, you know, Peyton Manning is still Peyton Manning. So you understand the the greatness there. Um, but like now that even Manning is, is done playing, how many of these, how many of these kids growing up besides Arch besides Arch Manning are going to know what, what, what about Peyton Manning, you know, what Peyton Manning is really about and are going to like care about that. Or are they going to care more about like Cam Newton went to Auburn or, mm-hmm. you know, Pat Mahomes went to Texas Tech, you know, like yeah. that, that stuff is going to matter more to them than, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson went to Louisville. I'm going to have to go there. I mean, Virginia Tech. Really got a nice boost to, off of Michael Vick's success, um, and Tennessee had, doesn't have that right now. So that that I think really hurts them uh, in the interim. But um, but it, it, I mean the Pruitt situation is odd. First of all, um, you know I'm shocked that they decided to to fire him with cause. You know they gave him the Kevin Ollie. Uh, <laughs> you know, I thought so that I shouldn't, I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> it's funny. <you laughs> yeah, one. man. I mean when Ollie got it, we were like, oh man. if they... <laughs> you was a white coach, man. They would have never done this. But I mean, and if he did it, well, that's, uh, that's how uh,
0: furious they were with how the season went.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. That shows you um, how cutthroat the SEC is. Because uh, UConn, they gave Jim Calhoun everything that he needed. Uh, they paid him. They gave him the severance package, unlike Ali. But regardless, um, yeah, they they fired him with cause, which is tough. Um, and and that just shows you, like, like college sports is dirty, man. Cause what Tennessee was accused of, um, like the investigation, I guess isn't done technically. Um, but the stuff that we know so far isn't isn't obscene cheating. Well, some of the stuff that's been alleged may may be considered obscene cheating. But the stuff that's like that he, they quote unquote fired him over isn't obscene. It's similar to the to the Ali thing. Not as bad as the Ali, not but worse than the Ali thing. The the Ali thing was like he he brought Ray Allen on an official visit which was yeah. like, you know, like, oh, all right, my bad. Um, but, like, this was, like, it was it a was minor recruiting violations. They fired him for cause. But when you couple that with the Will Wade situation at LSU mm-hmm. and Sean Miller, like, those guys doing, like, really, being accused of really serious recruiting violations, really brazen recruiting violations, not assistants, but the head coach being involved in these violations. And those guys still have a job. And that just shows me the dirty nature of college sports. Like Tennessee feels, oh, we have to fire him because he's hurting the brand of the program and this and that. And you know, he's not fulfilling his duties as head coach. We got to fire him with cause in order to keep a check. But with 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 these guys like Sean, Sean Miller and Will Wade, they're keeping their jobs because they can win. It's just it's 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 so ridiculous. But ultimately, you know, I think that this will be. Um, I think this is actually a positive for Tennessee. The Jeremy Pruitt situation wasn't going anywhere. And I think that there are a lot of good coaches out there. Yeah, Tennessee to me is like the Knicks,
0: man, where it's just like uh, – like they just got another coach every couple of years. And like I said before, like, like, I, told you, like I told you before we uh, did the pod, like Tennessee has not had a 10-win season since 2007. And they they haven't finished inside the top 10 – since 2001 I and mean, these are a lot of yeah. lean years for Tennessee and like I like, and like this is a program that was accustomed to being in the national championship kind of picture multiple years in a row I mean from 1990 to 99 that whole decade they were without question one of the top programs in the country I mean their AP post finishes 5 8, 14, 12, 12 22, 3, 9, 7 national championship number 1, 98 and 9 uh, then they had one down year, and they were back at number four in two thousand and one. So, and then they had a really good run in the seventies as well under uh, Doug Dickey and Bill Battle. So, like, this is a program that is not used to this kind of prolonged ineptitude. And when you know you get to that situation, you know, and like, I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan, so I, I know it. I know the same situation where you have so many years of not getting to the standard that it used to be. That at a certain point, like, how how much do these kids even care about? Making the re, rebuilding the standard back to what it's supposed to be, you know. I think for a team like Miami or some other programs, you know, the the fertile recruiting ground gives you hope that the right recruiting class can turn it around. I think when you look at a Nebraska or a Tennessee, like the issue they have is they're programs that already had to recruit on a national level. Um, they don't have necessarily the most fertile recruiting ground. And there, and to be fair, there are good players from Tennessee. There are some great players even from the state of Tennessee. And they are going to compete and they're still going to get a lot of those guys. But, you know, that recruiting ground is just not as fertile as Florida, not as fertile as Alabama or Louisiana or Texas or some of those places that they're going to be competing with in that conference. And the problem becomes, you know, kids outside of that state. First of all, are the kids in your state going to care about your school at this point because you've been bad for so long? And why are the kids outside your state going to care? Obviously, there's only so many scholarships go around. You're going to get good players, but as we've seen with the SEC, it doesn't take. You can't just get good players. I mean, uh, Bush Jones and Jeremy Pruitt were getting good players. Uh, sometimes a top 15 recruiting class means you're seventh or eighth in the conference. That's just how yeah. tough it is in the SEC. So you got to have a transcendent kind of recruiting class. And how are you going to do that with? The guys even hiring to be quite honest. I I don't know if you can do that with a Jeremy Pruitt or a Butch Jones. I think you got to get someone way more dynamic, way more outside the box. I I do think the new AD is the kind of guy that may think outside the box and and get someone good. Do do you think that there's a chance he may go after the guy, his former guy in Nebraska? That doesn't seem to be going very well, Frost. Uh, Scott Frost. He said, "Yo, man, cut your losses. Come to me, Tennessee. We rebuild this thing like we did at UCF." Mm. Cause you're Frost, man. Like I,
1: that thing don't look good.
0: We Remember Josh Heupel
1: early. at UCF? Uh, I mean Hypo kind of. I mean he's actually probably. I mean he's taken a bit of a step back. Yeah, uh, I UCF guess I guess I, I guess I just feel like. Highball is a good
0: coach. I just feel like, I guess, to me, Frost just feels like more of a proven commodity of them as a tandem could do great things. So Yeah.
1: Frost, I mean, he needs a change of scenery. He needs a change of scenery. That thing is not going to work. Yeah. I mean, it was an embarrassment. Like, from the beginning of the season, they were threatening to leave the Big Ten, and people kind of just laughing at them. And then they play their first game against Ohio State, and they get, you know, their brains beaten in. And, and from there, like it just it was the train wreck all season, um, and they lost a lot of credibility uh, as a program. Um, they look like a laughing laughingstock. Uh, so it's you know he definitely does need a change of scenery. From um, Tennessee, I look. I feel like they need a, a, they need a a high level, like football coach like they need a guy who can out scheme the rest of the coaches in the i agree season. with that i think uh, the idea that they're gonna get some crazy recruiting classes far-fetched yeah it's just not and, and yeah, i say, say that see, i like, mean again
0: they've been getting top 15 classes i mean they whoever they get can repeat that i just think this idea you're gonna get a number yeah. two or three class is not gonna happen
1: yeah like hugh freeze might be the only guy to try and pull that off um yeah you know but like 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 anybody if you're hiring anybody else because of like recruiting chops i'm just not that doesn't scare me um if i'm saving or I'm, I'm like you need to beat these teams all with like the talent that you already have which in the sec is all comparable um i mean you I, I mean i'm calling guys in the nfl um i know we had a conversation about uh tony dungy tony dungy would be interesting um, t- obviously when you think about Tony Dungy, first of all, we've heard that Peyton Manning will be involved in his coaching search. Uh, and Tony Dungy, obviously coached Peyton Manning. Tony Dungy started doing Notre Dame games for NBC. So he's a little closer to the college football game than he's ever been. Um, then maybe when his sons played, that was probably the last time, uh, he was closer to, to the college game, but, um, and, we saw Arizona State has had success with Herm Edwards. So, and that was a hire that people were scratching their heads. I thought the Herm Edwards thing was always going to work. Uh, but I, the, I think what helped Herm Edwards is that Herm Edwards had been doing that Under Armour All-American game mm-hmm. for like the last, like, three or four years. Yeah. So, I feel like he had a much better understanding of the modern high school college athlete than people may have assumed um and, and most dies his age that are former NFL coaches would have um and he had a bit of street cred because of that plus like his time at espn um and he bring in antonio pierce uh, uh who was a who was a high school head coach at long beach poly and had also been playing and also worked at espn and want to rule the Giants like Herm Edwards was very smart in how he put that together uh, and there's a reason why like all like the former players kids decided to go to Arizona State um but I, I don't know I mean Dungey, I don't think Dungey would have the recruiting success that that Herm Edwards has had um but you know he might be able to put together a staff that would be able to win you games in the SEC Hey about, how about another guy who's on Herm's staff?
0: What about uh, Marvin Lewis? I, I just, I feel like...
1: Marvin Lewis is a good idea.
0: I feel like NFL is yeah. where they got to turn. Yeah. I think that, I know a lot of people are throwing out the college guys. Um, Gus they've Mon- tried. Mon- people like that. I've,
1: yeah, Gus, that, I, I would look at... I know you guys mentioned Gus, yeah. ...has been a high-level SEC head coach. Like, they haven't had that either. Like, but they've tried, like, these coordinators or they've tried these mid-major guys... And, and that just, that, that
0: that doesn't work. I think you need that. to bring somebody who comes in with, like, an NFL credibility, NFL kind of coaching, and um, just a different approach. Like, I guess to me, I just never felt they hired a guy that, that like, I never felt like any guy they hired had any real shot at, like, scaring someone like Nick Saban. No. Nah. <laughs> and I'm not saying that, and, like, to me, like, and that's not unlike other coaches have. Like, I mean, we know what uh what uh coach Owen ended up doing to him yeah. last season. Put but him I, yeah, right. but I mean look what Texas A and M did. Look I think Florida, uh Dan Mullins is, is a is a respectable coach for sure. Like like they've hired guys, no way he's gonna be on savings level. But in order to win that conference, you're gonna have to go or at least be good in the conference. You're gonna have to try to beat him every now and then, give yourself a chance. Like uh none of the guys they've ever hired i've ever thought I had any chance to beat him, and that's including Pruitt. like none of them so like i'm just like give me somebody who could think outside the box will bring a different approach i know i haven't heard marvin lewis name brought up once but i would i would actually be con- i would actually consider someone like marvin lewis he's already coaching the college game now being the coordinator at arizona state He turned around that defense they've uh he's been an nfl coach for a long time not that far in terms of like the area, Cincinnati, Tennessee. That's just no, that's that's not that far. So he knows the area fairly well. Players in that area be somewhat familiar with the Bengals. Some of them will be fans. Well, obviously they do have a new team now with Titans. But I, uh, I don't know. I think that that's someone I might look at as well. But I think I, you know, I think they got to go outside the box. I just don't want to hear like another college name. Like to me, that's not going to work.
1: Yeah, like I don't think Tom Herman is gonna work. Like Tom Herman, no, I don't think so either. Struggle at a similar kind of spot. <laughs> like that was what? a spot that had way better recruiting chops. Yeah, like yeah, it's it just it's a
0: better job, and you struggle there, and now he's yeah. going to a harder a job, a much harder job and a much harder conference.
1: Yeah, and and I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there. and he's and we expect he'd be able to turn that around. Um, I don't know. I mean, for James Franklin, I mean, would Franklin work? I mean, well, first of all, Frank leave, I don't know. But if, he, if you're assuming he would. I think Frank would be crazy want. to take that job. Yeah, what he has now is so much easier. Yeah, like return. it is had year this
0: year, but that conference really, really stinks. To be the number two team in that conference isn't that hard. If Northwestern could do he, it, you could do it. Yeah, so, exactly. So with and resources with and everything, in that state, in the recruiting in that state, that area nah. He, you can't yeah. go to tennessee to go to that conference and play coach against those teams and not have those stakes no nah. i know yeah, the bugs was kind of circling in state college but that would be crazy to me that would be you just feeling like i want another three years guaranteed it's like, okay you'll get another three years but you'll be fired in three years so you in penn state you could turn you around
1: put- and end up keeping that job for another 10 what about uh when I see your boy... Uh, I saw one list that had your boy, Brett Lashley, OC of Miami. Uh, <laughs> man, Rhett Lashley isn't ready for all that. Yeah, that, that seems like a jump uh, a bit too far. Yeah, um, that's a big, man. What about Tony Elliott? Would he take the job? Offensive coordinator at Clemson. That seems like a, the kind of guy that... I could, I could... be. Yeah. The smart move. And I know I said no coordinators, but he's yeah. also... An offensive mastermind. Yeah, sorry, I mean, that, he's uh, like almost team. like yeah. To me, him and like I know
0: Brady was just is in the NFL now, but like him and Brady are like a different tier when I think of college coordinators. Right. So, you know, I like, think Jeremy Pruitt just a guy. Yeah, Pruitt man. I've seen I've seen five different guys do that same job. Like I'm not like there was no there was nothing special about him. I didn't know why they hired him. Uh,
1: but but his, you know what's the name? That's, go what we're talking about would be enemy. Like, these teams, they don't care about... These teams never cared about guys being special. That's what <laughs> I'm trying to say. That's why it's so, so ridiculous. They're like, oh, you worked under Saban for a couple of years? <laughs> All right. Jim You're McElwain like, got oh. the Florida job. I mean, that's something that's still unbelievable yeah, to me. He had three in offenses uh, in Alabama football history. And they were like... That, we're man's, never All gonna right. get another, that man's never going to get another major head coaching job.
0: That man coached Florida. Yeah. Think about that. And... Like that's why that's crazy. Yeah, but um, but you know Elliot Elliot, I like I like that idea. Uh, he'd probably have to take that job, right? You
1: couldn't turn that down. I would think about turning it down. Uh, <laughs> he's I know in line. Tennessee that's is so hard. hard. I know. Yeah, he's in line to get whatever job he wants, like in a year. Um, like the Clemson thing is so easy. It's kind of like Kirby Smart. Remember every year we were talking about Kirby Smart. Like, where is he going to go? And he kind of waited out. Picked, he picked the until player. like. Yeah, he picked like the. I mean, first it was all. First of all, it's all moderate. But second of all, like it's like the perfect yeah. spot to, if you want to compete against Saban. Like, yeah, beating the SEC East.
0: Um, yeah, and that uh, was another yeah. guy we didn't mention. So the guy that had to put some kind of fear in Saban, like that was another hire in SEC. That yeah, Saban has to think about it when he has the the one yeah. lieutenant that he really does respect. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the guy I was with him for like a decade, the but, longest know, time. Like, where he was like, oh man, I really try to hold on to this one. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, so like that is, so for Tony Elliott, like you're now the Kirby smart of college football. I mean, really it's Brett Venables, but Venables seems very content, but Venables like Bud Foster at this point where like, I don't think he even cares about being a coach. Um, but (laughs) Tony Elliott is like Kirby smart where, you know, I think he really does. Um, I think he he wants to move up on the ladder, but like he's almost got it too good. You know, it's like someone joked. Um, when Nick Saban won a championship, someone, someone joked that, oh, Nick Saban's at the point of the, uh, NCAA football dynasty that, you know, you, you quit and you go to Idaho to try and go, cause it's got too easy. You know, like Elliot's at that point of like your, 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 uh, your, your dynasty or your, if you're doing college basketball or college football, where like you're at like a mid-major that's almost like too good at this point where it's like, I mean, why would I leave until like Duke? becomes available, if you're playing basketball, or I leave until Texas or Alabama or someplace comes available. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, at the same time, though, LA didn't get – he didn't get a look at Texas. So, which – that's Yeah, that's happened.
0: why that's that's why I said, you know, could you turn it down? Because, I mean, you know, he didn't get a look at Texas. And, you know, Texas hired another yeah. office coordinator who's very inventive, inventive and had a great season, but it Re- is another – uh... Yeah, I was gonna say we,
1: we could ask our questions. Uh, we could have a, a similar conversation that we had with Eric Bieniemy about know, Tony Elliott. I know it's the same
0: conversation, <laughs> but but I mean, you know, to <laughs> me, like, but like that's why I say, like, you know, and that, I'm gonna be honest, that's part of the reason why I asked. Could you turn down a job by like Tennessee? We all understand Tennessee isn't the greatest. It's a good job in a vacuum, but it's like very hard, and the 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 degree of difficulty, is very high, and the fans aren't very patient. That's never a good combination. So, but again, it's Tennessee. So you have, in theory, all the resources to give yourself a chance to do the job well. That's all you really would want. Like, there are some schools you go to and you don't have the resources to do the job well. And they want you to do great. Um, like, Mississippi State comes to mind. Uh, really, both of the Mississippi schools come to mind. But, yeah. like, to, but to me, like... Tennessee isn't that. Like, Tennessee is a true, like, A1 type program that is, has all the resources and everything needed to be A1. It's just, it's a lot of, it's a tough competition. And these games are tough, and these teams are tough. And I just, but I, the reason why I like Ellie is because I feel like I believe in him as a head coach. I think that he would give saving fits. I've seen him give saving fits in games as a coach. So I feel like that would give me hope. Yeah. And the one thing, the one bright side about Tennessee that we don't really mention enough, this is why I kind of feel like, you know, if I will Eli, i take the chance, is while it is the SEC, you're in the much easier division. Now, this season, obviously, you played every team, so there was no smoke dodging, but which is why their record was what they was this year. But typically, you know, the East, there's really only two games that typically you should be maybe not favored in. That are least in your division. Obviously, there you have two, like, random games in the West team, Division teams. And if one year it's Alabama and LSU, then, well, you're screwed. But other years, it might be Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And then you got maybe two wins under there. So, like, yeah. to me, like, with Tennessee, while that is kind of, like, daunting going to the SEC, you are in the SEC East. And even a second-place finish would excite those fans because they haven't even been close to that. I mean, they've been losing to Kentucky and Vanderbilt in some of these years in recent years. Uh, they've been yes. finishing behind them in recent years, in, in these recent years. So, like, I think if you're one of those schools... I think if you're Tony you're like, yo, man, yeah, that conference is tough, but I could beat Kentucky and Vanderbilt. You know what I'm saying? And I give myself a chance what? against Dan Mullins and Kirby Smart. Uh, if I get a couple of recruiting classes, then maybe I
1: turn it around. Let me give you one last proposition. Yeah. Imagine... So let's say Peyton Manning goes to you. Let's say you're Danny White, you're the AD. Peyton Manning goes to you and says, I got a guy. And this doesn't happen a lot in college football because it happens in college basketball because of the one and done. But like we know like freshmen and recruits do not really make that much of an impact. But let's say Peyton Manning says, I got a guy that if you hire this guy, you're going to get my, my nephew Arch Manning, currently a sophomore in high school, but it's the number one sophomore in the country. In two years, he's going to sign up with Tennessee, almost guaranteed. If you hire David Cutcliffe from Duke to be your head coach, you're going to yeah. get Arch Manning. David Cutcliffe was my coach. He was Eli's coach. Cooper Manning is going to send Arch Manning to Tennessee. That would be a program-changing recruit at a time in which Tennessee has not had that kind of player since Peyton Manning. They would say, oh, what about Eric Ainge? <laughs> that was it. No. Um, yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely not. So, is, would that be worth it? And maybe Peyton says, I don't know. Maybe he would go there. Maybe he wouldn't. But would you even take that risk? Or would you need the guarantee? And if you had the guarantee, would you still say, but David Cutcliffe is like 70 and hasn't won anything. <laughs> hasn't won anything at Duke in like three years. I just don't think well, I could. I don't think
0: it's responsible to hire David Cutcliffe for a kid that's coming in a couple of years. I, I don't. I don't think that that's responsible. Yeah, it's a lot. And, dude, and, it and, 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 and shout out to David Cutcliffe. You know, he's an ACC, so me and you are very familiar with the Duke program. Maybe you be did it. An you job. being a Pitt fan. He's done an excellent job. There's no doubt I'm about that. Bad Duke Duke, Duke Duke
1: Duke job Duke, normally. It were really
0: it's bad. bad this year. Yeah, but they were how you should, should normally be. Yeah, I mean, typically Duke football is a complete and utter joke. And he has made them more than, I'd say even more than respectable. They've, yes, he's made them competitive. Yeah, they've been competitive. I think they've won that division at least once. Uh, yeah, because everyone's won the division Every team once. Everyone's won that division at least once in like right. the last six years. So, so yeah. he's won the division at some points. He has a 10-win season under his belt. That was 2013, but still. Uh, they've been in bowl games almost every year, except for a couple years here and there. Uh, at least in the last, you know, six or seven years. He's a very good so that's, coach, that's but like, I'm like, I'm like, but like, there's no way you're winning with David Cutcliffe in these next couple of years, and you're hoping that a freshman comes in and he's gonna change life for you, and then you got to build a root class around him, and you got to hope that he stays around. I, it's just too much. I, I can't, I can't, I think that, I can't say that's a responsible decision. Yeah.
1: I uh, I had to give you the will. I wonder what Tennessee... I feel like they would agree with you, but... yeah, I mean, like they have no chance of getting Art now. Like, no chance. Like, he's probably going up to his hometown, or he's probably going to Alabama, or Georgia, or some other place in the SEC that is competent <laughs> rather than go to Tennessee. Um... Who cares about legacy <laughs> uh, um, with his uncle, his uncle, like, he got a If you put yourself in the running, well, you don't want to do, and knock it, Archman. Now it's like, now you end up with a major act. And that's
0: kind of why that's, I mean, I mean, there's a reason to believe you have a great chance, but, I mean, that's a huge
1: risk. I don't know if you want to take. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, I would only do that if we were talking, like, Oh, like, I mean, this job is, like, you know, Penn State was after the after their sanction. You know, where it was like, you know, death penalty, like, you know, you're not playing in a bowl game for the like next two, three years anyway. Um, like, if that were the case, then, yeah, why not bring in Cutcliffe, reestablish the program, and bring him in. But where it's right now, it doesn't seem like it'll be that bad. So... You know, I'm going after some of those big names. Elliot seemed like he didn't want the Auburn job. So if he didn't want the Auburn job, didn't he had no interest Goes to Tennessee. But I would argue Tennessee might actually be here in all. I don't know. Yeah, interesting stuff all around, man. I hope y'all enjoyed this podcast.
0: I enjoyed it. Uh We'll be uh, back with more sports talk. Um We may be back with some special guests next week. We'll see uh, how that shakes out. I don't want to Jump the gun! I want to make sure we get everything all confirmed and ready to go. But um, we could be have a very special sports podcast next week, so I want to make sure uh, I at least tease that a little bit for you guys. Of course, you can catch all of our podcasts on the New Generation Podcast Network. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, check us out on social media. Oh, should me, on YouTube, New Generation Media. You can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcasts, and Facebook, New Generation Media. Follow me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. Instagram action, EJ Kendall can be found on Twitter at NewGenKen. Thank you guys for checking us out. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.